You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the 42 cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I am your host, Nathan, and we have another great episode lined up for you where we're going to talk about season two of The Flash. But before we do that, I do think it's important to note that when we recorded this episode, it was summer of last year. It was before the news came out about the tweets that Hartley Sawyer had deleted from his Twitter account and the news of his firing. We did gush about him, but I feel that that's valid because, like I said, we didn't know about what was going to come out about him, but we were also talking about the performance, and we were talking about the character of the elongated man in the episode. We are in no way endorsing anything that was on the tweets that were the cause of his firing. There are many misogynistic and racist comments that we do not agree with, and I just wanted to make sure that we put that out there. We mentioned that this is from before that time when we were made aware of that, and like I say, anything that we say positively about Sawyer is about the performance, and it is about the character of the elongated man. So moving forward, he won't be part of the show. And although that's disappointing on one angle, because I do think that he had grown into the role and that he was a very interesting character, I understand the studio's decision. And that is the consequence of saying things that you shouldn't say online. And hopefully he has turned over a new leaf, like he said in his statements. But since there's no way for anyone to really know that, he's just going to have to demonstrate that by his actions for the rest of his life, basically. So, yeah. Anyway, I, I don't want to bring us down too much by dwelling on that too much, but I did want to make sure that we made that clear about the episode coming up. And news uh, here, uh, we finished watching The Flight Attendant, which we greatly enjoyed. My understanding is that first season is the actual novel storyline, so uh, a little worried uh, whenever they come out with season two that now that they have to make up original content that it's not going to be as good, but I really, since I've never read the book, I don't know if there's more stuff that they can draw from or how any of this works, so we'll just have to see uh, when we get to it. We finished Star Trek Discovery. We're trying to get through Star Trek Lower Decks. Uh, watched the first few episodes. I'm not really too keen on it myself, but I keep getting told it gets better as it goes on, so hopefully that'll be true. Looking forward to Godzilla vs. Kong. I'm going to hold on to the HBO Max subscription to watch that, and then I'm probably going to drop it. And yeah, we started watching Warehouse 13, because that's a show that my friend Angie, who's been on the show many times, she recommended to me. Again, that's one that hasn't grabbed me right away, but I usually give, you know, a show like that, that has a full season, 
I'll cut it a little slack for a few episodes. I feel like with something like Lower Decks, when it only has 10 episodes in a season, it really needs to hit the ground running. I mean, they can't say like, oh, well, give us 12 episodes before you make up your mind, because they don't even have 12 episodes. So we'll see how both of those goes. We're also going through Dragon Ball Super. A long time ago, Beth and I, like, like 10 years or more, Beth and I finished watching all of Dragon Ball. That's Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball GT, all the movies, everything that was out for Dragon Ball at that time, Beth and I finished it. We, we completed a whole franchise of like 400 episodes or more. And it was like, okay, this is good. We're done. We've seen this whole thing. We know everything about Dragon Ball. Well, then they came out with Dragon Ball Z Kai, and we were like, okay, well, we can ignore that, because it's, it's the same thing as Dragon Ball Z, just shorter, and we already watched the long version, so there's no reason to watch the, the short version. But then they came out with Dragon Ball Super, and it was like, oh, God, we got more Dragon Ball stuff to watch, and it's not that we don't like Dragon Ball, it's just, we were done, and there was so much already. So it's taken us a long time, you know, several years now to just get up to the point where we're like, okay. We're ready now to watch Dragon Ball Super, and so we're doing that as well. Oh, also, really, really digging Resident Alien, which is a new show that just came out in sci-fi. Definitely check that out. Alan Tudyk is a comedic genius, and it's great for him to have his own show that he's top billing on, and we've been enjoying that. And Snowpiercer is back, which I'm not sure I've talked about Snowpiercer on the show before, but, I mean, besides the movie, we had a whole episode about the movie. But the TV show is fantastic. I was really happy with that first season, and the second season seems to be shaping up really good as well. So it's one of those things where if I knew other people who watched Snowpiercer, we would totally do an episode of the 42 cast on it. But unfortunately, I appear to be the only person in my friends group, or at least of the people who do podcasting, that is watching Snowpiercer. So we're probably not going to do an episode on it, sadly enough. I was hoping Dragon Con would do a virtual panel on Snowpiercer. I talked to the Apocalypse Rising track, and they had said maybe they would do one, but they decided not to do one this past year, because I totally would have wanted to be on that panel, and I could have recorded that, and then made that an episode of the 42 cast, but that didn't happen, but we'll see. I mean, if Dragon Con is virtual again this year, then maybe there's another shot at that, so we'll just have to see how that goes also. But anyway, yeah, I've been going on for quite a bit, and it's a long episode, so I better let you guys go. So here is the podcast already in progress. Meet our cast for this week. And so starting off, you hear him every year, and we talk about The Flash, but he also loves other stuff. He's, we've talked about Lost in Space, um, and of course, uh, he and I go way back talking about comics, and that is my buddy Sean. How are you doing, Sean? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Hey, no problem. So, uh, how have things been going for you uh, these last few months? Um, well, I, I, compared to the rest of the world, we've been having a great time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's been a pretty interesting experience. Uh, Laura, um, right as this entire experience, my wife um, had uh, been looking for a new job. She had been hunting for about eight months, and uh, she had just gotten a job right as the shutdown started, where everybody went to quarantine. And we were so concerned that they were going to like just go ahead and just fire her because like, well, we can't train you right now. So it's not worth bringing you on board. Um, and it turns out it was exactly the opposite. They're like, we spent too much time getting you. We're not letting you go. So they trained her. Uh, she just finished up her 90 days. And so now she's a full blown employee with them and they love her. And they're, they're already talking about expanding roles and it's fantastic. And uh, my job has been going along really well. 
Uh, but I think probably the weirdest thing that's happened during the whole COVID-19 is the fact that all the conventions that I normally go and uh, set up our shop at with Popcycle Bobbles have completely shut down. The only one for 2020 at all that's still on the schedule, maybe, and that's like 50-50, 60-40, is Dragon Con. And I'm kind of waiting for the numbers to go back up and then everybody get gun shy and that's going to get canceled too. But other than that, no pop cycled really this year, um, which has led me to have a lot of free time. So I've been making artwork and playing video games, backlogging. So um, it, it's been good. It's been good. It's a little bit uh, atypical. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's good that you have thing, you know, like stuff that you can do to occupy your time, you know, yeah. and uh, and all that, because uh, that's one of those key things, you know, because we've had a lot of these conversations now, you know, ever since this all started, you know, Definitely. Like, people talking about it and, uh, you know, it can get kind of depressing if you're just sitting around thinking about the state of things. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've been playing through so many, like, I, 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 they, people think I'm joking, but because I spend so much time working on PopCycle, then, you know, we have our Twitch channel now where we do like, you know, broadcasts of me making stuff mm -hmm. and whatnot, that there, there's almost no time for me to just kind of sit down and relax and play a game. So like, I've been blasting through games I've had for like five years. Like I finally played and beat Halo 5, mm. which is like a five-year-old, the new one, like Halo 6 technically is coming out, like I think in like six months, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> so stuff like that, you know, um, but I've been really getting through my backlog of games and it's been a lot of fun and I'm really enjoying it because uh, I'm just kind of relaxing a bit and I, you don't realize how tense you are because you're constantly moving. You're constantly trying to do things until you take a piece of stress out of your life. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm looking forward to going back and, and, and selling stuff again. But at the same time, I am extremely grateful for the downtime that I just happened to luck into. And that's just because Laura and I just have that privilege of having jobs that are stable enough where we can still work from home every day and still be able to kind of decompress our brain. So I'm, I'm eternally grateful to that. And uh, uh, it's just, it's absolutely crazy. All right. Well, yeah, no, that is, that is great that you got to decompress and yeah. it's good to have you back on the show. Well, thank you for having me. Hey, no problem. And next up, he is a guy that was going to be on our black lightning podcast, but due to technical issues, couldn't be. He absolutely loves comics and he still has Thanos on his couch. And that is Eric Ratcliffe. How are you doing, Eric? Er, dic diff yeah, technical difficulties, apparently speaking difficulties as well now. Right. Uh, <laughs> words hard. Harder words. Yeah. <laughs> I still think you should have just stayed on and, and you could have, because we could hear you just fine. You just couldn't hear us. And you should have just randomly interjected stuff. <laughs> yeah, might have worked. Okay. <laughs> might have so, also been too much editing for you. Right. No, I, no, no I, I, I'm, I'm well aware of that. I'm joking. So um, how have you been doing, Eric? Uh, I exist. <laughs> okay. Been working on um, projects here and there, some shelving, uh, shelving stuff. Uh, just finished putting together my Kingdom Hearts shelf with all my uh, bring arts and uh, figure arts. Uh, I have four Soras, eight Keyblades up there. Mickey, <laughs> Donald, yeah. Goofy, um, Axel, and well, Lee, uh, and. Um, the very awesome uh, Bring Arts uh, Cloud, who looks awesome. Um, finish that shelf. I'm working on a Power Rangers shelf. I have three shelves dedicated to Cryptocurium stuff, which is awesome. A uh, lot of lot of binge watching. I just for the first time I think this year because I think I first watched them either two years ago or the year. Last year, maybe. Um, now you see me, and now you see me too. 
and mm. the second one is definitely the stronger of the two films but if if people of uh if people of uh woody and um woody harrelson and um oh wow why can't i think of uh can't think of social network's name jesse um, eisenberg yeah jesse eisenberg together in Zombieland. uh they'll probably dig uh both of those movies as well where they're where they're both different kinds of magicians but they're magicians working together and it has rough mark ruffalo in a uh in a pretty big um supporting role as well and morgan freeman's in there and i really think they missed the boat on those movies it should have been the first one was now you see me and the second one should have been called now you don't yeah now you see me too just doesn't sound right it should be now you don't well well <laughs> supposedly either 2021 or 2022 it'll be now you see me three so mm. yeah no i agree with you though i think i enjoyed the second one a lot more and just this week i finished persona royale well last week because it's sunday i finished persona royale so i've now played persona 5 twice once the the vanilla and the the second time with royale which adds about uh i think they said it's about 50 hours of gameplay and it feels like it but definitely doesn't show on my uh on my (laughs) playtime It actually shows almost a hundred hours less on my playtime. I don't know how that worked, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's it's a very fantastic game. If you if you've ever wanted to play a hundred hour anime, it's it's well worth it. <laughs> it's it's a very fun game. It's like uh, it's like if the Runaways were thieves instead of it's like Runaways meets Wanted, but with uh with the with the thief um homage instead of like the um super villain hook it's it's really fun though it's one of my favorite easily one of my favorite games of all time now and then i'm playing rage 2 right now which is kind of fun it's basically fallout if it was directed by george miller Hmm. okay well (laughs) it is good that you are keeping busy with stuff to do oh yeah it's the only way we can keep whatever's left of our sanity, right? Right. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, it's great having you back on the show, Eric. Always good to be here when the internet uh, decides to work for us. Right. And finally, finally, coming at us from the other side of the mirror, <laughs> it is my nemesis, Ryan Guthrie. How are you doing, Ryan? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I, I, Unlike Eric, you know, I've been in my sanity a long time ago and i've been better off without it <laughs> that sounds about right yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just gets in the way usually <laughs> but, but yeah i, I think i think at, this idea of you coming from the mirror universe actually has a lot of merit you know you say i'm coming from the mirror universe has it ever occurred to you that maybe you're the mirror universe and i'm normal <laughs> i don't know um yeah. uh, do you have a go-to right now <laughs> no sadly because of work i've had to shave all facial uh, hair okay. <laughs> <laughs> thought i might have gotten you on that one <laughs> but if you'd asked a couple months ago you know <laughs> plus plus but, it's although, uh, to eventually you're gonna be like eric your agonizer please <laughs> <laughs> well i could make a joke by doing this podcast you know <laughs> <laughs> But I won't do that. I'll spare you. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so, so how are, 
Uh, you know, I'm pretty good. We're we're um I was kind of thinking how I was going to answer that question when you came to me. Uh, and the only thing I got is uh we're we're at that stage in in this whole chaos where um you know my I'm I'm still working, so you know that's great, I guess. Mm. Um but my wife has been furloughed, but you know, we're doing fine, but she's we're at that stage now where boxes show up and she has no idea what they are anymore and it's, it's i'll get a notification oh they've we've received a box we gotta go pick it up and i'm like what am i going to pick up is it big or small is it heavy or light and she's like i don't know ryan you know <laughs> <laughs> i guess i could check our credit card bill but you know <laughs> she's she, we got a spiralizer now i didn't even know that was a thing you yeah. know? <laughs> but so we can make um uh uh zucchini noodles you mm. know so i guess i'm into that now so, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah it is kind of funny right now when you get the package and you're like i don't remember ordering anything what is this <laughs> yeah i mean i totally believe i ordered this so you know but i don't know what it is <laughs> <laughs> well no i mean just before you open the package being like you know what what is this i don't remember yeah. ordering anything <laughs> I, I, yeah i'm looking at where it's from and that's no help whatsoever <laughs> it's just like three letters or whatever you know yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's like oh this is something i ordered like four months ago <laughs> yeah now i remember <laughs> we did we did just get uh some hand sanitizer that we ordered at the beginning of all this i mean it's back mm. on shelves now it hasn't been a problem i completely forgot about it but you know we ordered some yeah back in late february or march or whatever and it just got here it's oh okay so now we have more and it smells like crap but you know mm. it's just lemon flavored but it's not i don't know what this <laughs> stuff is <but laughs> it's not lemon <laughs> this is not lemons <laughs> <laughs> or at least no limit first, I want first to world problems here ryan yeah. <laughs> i should send it back you know? uh, right exactly <laughs> <laughs> i have my hand sanitizer but it doesn't smell like lemons <laughs> exactly you know? luckily everyone's wearing masks so they'll never know you know <laughs> oh man well yeah. it's uh it's it's good that you have uh you know you're at a place where this is the stuff you worry about. Eh, you know, I mean, it, it, this is not the stuff I worry about, but this is the stuff I focus on because it's better. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I understand. <laughs> All right, well, it's good having you back on the show, Ryan. It's good to be back. All right, so next up, uh, you know what it is? It's time for our five-minute controversy, where five-minute controversy is just a way for us to talk about a topic and just sort of loosen up before we talk about the actual topic for the show. And today I wanted to ask, um, because, you know, it's been a while, you know, um, the movie theater is all closed, the late March-ish, uh, at least all the ones around here did, um, and... You know, I think like Bloodshot was what was going through the movie theaters at the time. So there's a lot of movies we've all been looking forward to that have been on uh, hold. And, you know, uh, there's talk now um, heading into June that movie theaters are going to start reopening on various phased plans or whatever. And so my question to everybody is, do we think it's a good idea? Is this too soon? Does the does the desire to watch these movies, you know, uh, uh, even factor into it based on a safety concern? So, um, let's just start with you on this one, Eric. What do you think? Uh, yes, but with a caveat. Okay. <laughs> and that caveat is, 
I have been seeing the resurgence of the drive-in movie theater. Mm. Especially the last month or so, I've actually seen, I want to say at least in between three and five different locations from different friends across the country checking out um, different drive-in theaters that are doing like promotions and uh, and actually like seeing kind of a resurgence of something that had been dying within the last I want to say 15 20 years yeah so it's kind of it's kind of great to see the resurgence of the drive-in movie theater come back and I I I kind of like that idea more so than you know like going into a theater and being in a room full of people <laughs> who may or may not be carrying um something that none of us would know i do wonder how many locations there are for drive i mean i know there was the one in south carolina the big mo i don't even yeah. know if it's still operating um, the one but, down but, in uh, buford uh yeah yeah it's still there okay yeah and um you know, I do wonder how many and if it would even be worth like the studio's while to release just the drive-ins. Um, if that was the only venue, like if they could make enough in sales to to justify. Well, I feel like it, it kind of helps bring back the um, the feeling of like uh, the event movie kind of mm-hmm. feeling like an event again like i think that's half of the fun of the uh, and i know i've completely warped the five minute controversy here but uh, <laughs> no 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 no, no. you just... make a no that's a good point it's just because yeah i mean it's uh it, it, it is something that i think people don't think about but at the same time it comes back to my question of you know justifying the opening of, or to the releasing of movies i think they're gonna have to have people in seats at regular movie theaters to be able to make enough money and then it comes back to is it worth doing that when you know covid19 numbers are still rising to i mean not not to warp it but i would i would continue by saying i i really like the idea of the um, drive-in kind of making a comeback instead of people being inside of the inside of the movie theaters and kind of accidentally or risking the chance of continuing to spread a virus that is definitely not going away, sadly, anytime soon. When you really look at what's happening right now, we're really seeing a problem that Hollywood has been trying to get away from for the past 20-something years since the advent of the internet and high internet speeds have become more commonplace, is the fact that there's a certain contingent of people who would much rather just watch a movie as soon as it comes out in the comfort of their home and pay a premium rate. And Universal has shown that that model works, and they've been actually able to put up some pretty decent numbers. Um, with that idea. And of course, that's made you know movie theater owners very upset. And I think that's because movie theaters have been offering essentially the same service for the better part of 80 to 90 years. There's been very little innovation in what you do at a movie theater. You get your ticket, you pick up some food, uh, usually popcorn or something, you go sit in a seat and you're all crowded together. Um, and I think this opportunity that most theater owners and chains are missing is the people who are not worrying about this are the people who have specialty theaters. You know, Alamo Drafthouse, they're going to do fine because they offer a premium way of viewing these movies. They have premium seating. You know, they have, you got to be quiet. You're, you're in for an experience. Um, and then they're also promising to keep everything wiped down and, and absolutely uh, sterile uh, between viewings. Um, of course, that does not help with the enclosed environment. But what I think will happen is what we're really seeing is we're, we're seeing that this crux of people want to see new movies and they do want the movie experience, but they don't want to risk their health. 
And I think the theater chains that are starting to turn into that, maybe they should be renovating all their theaters right now and coming up with better ways of presenting uh, uh, their product uh, is really the smarter way of going around and doing this. The multiplex of you know 170 people all crammed into a little tiny space um, isn't going to be nearly as appealing as the theater that has maybe a hundred seats but they're spaced out nicely they can recline you know it has a much more kind of like intimate feel so that way you can sit with your person and uh you know watch a movie and you don't feel like you know everybody else is kind of leaning up against you so i i feel on one hand it's a smart move to start thinking about reopening theaters but i really think the, the crux of the situation just like eric said is to come up with a way to entice people to come to the movie experience and to give them a reason to go back to the theaters, which is to create a different kind of uh, appeal. And I think drive-throughs are a great example. I think the um, cinema grills, you know, where you can order your dinner and watch a movie is a great example. And those super luxury theaters are a great example. And then on the other side, Hollywood just does, you know, day and date releases. So for those who don't want to go out and have an experience, get out of the house for a little while, they can just enjoy their movie uh, at home. And the longer the theater system fights that and doesn't find a way to innovate against that, uh, the sooner they're going to go to the the, the the cinema graveyard. Yeah. No, I think that I, you're hitting on something I was going to bring up, which is the idea of they've got to do something about it. And whether that's just suddenly companies start putting up drive throughs all over or whether mm -hmm. it's renovating existing ones, mm -hmm. you know, the enclosed space of it all, I think, is the real the real problem. Right. And, you know, you can even say like, oh, well, we'll only have like every other seat or whatever. But I mean, that's still not, that's enough, still not enough. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Ryan, what do you think about all this? Well, I mean, if you if if you want to just talk about from a, a safety aspect, it honestly doesn't make any difference at this point in time. If we're going to open restaurants and people are going to go to restaurants, if we're going to open bars and malls and everything else, uh, you don't really have, you've got to probably walk through a mall to get to the movie theater anyways, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, uh, and you probably went to dinner at a restaurant before you went to the movie or, or whatever. It's, it's not much of a, a safety issue in, or as in regards to additional exposure now if you're if you're still being smart and staying home as much as possible and only getting takeout and then all that other stuff then yeah that's going to be a, a bigger risk factor for you but if you're trying to live as close to a normal life as you can then uh going to movie theater at this point in time after you sit at that dinner table or that restaurant table it your odds sure that your odds are increasing but not as much as to uh to maybe argue that it's necessary to keep theaters closed anymore. Um, since, you know, we're kind of all branching out on other subjects about this, before COVID, I remember reading that uh, Congress or, or um, maybe it's at a particular state, I think it's actually nationally, but they were going to, um, they were considering revoking the law that uh, prevented studios from owning their own theaters, right? You know, they said so we were gonna go back to kind of like a vertical in integration where Universal Studios could also have a chain, they could buy, you know, Cinemark or AMC or whatever. And I was against that at the time. I, I kept thinking about how Disney's, you know, uh, deal uh, with Star Wars, how they kept wanting more and more share of the movie ticket was probably just destroying theaters. And to some extent it definitely is. But now I'm kind of thinking that might be what saves movie theaters um yeah you'd only be, if you went to universal theaters you'd only be able to see universal movies probably but uh or again maybe not i don't know but uh money is money after all but um that might be 
what's necessary to have that big backing because movie theaters, even the big chains, they're their profits are in the pennies. I mean, they make their money off the food and you know, most people sneak that in anyways. Um, so I think if we're going to have any sort of future with a sit-down theater that isn't drive-throughs, it's, it's gonna be probably some sort of vertical integration with the big studios. And yeah, they are gonna be those smaller, uh, more comfy reclining. I, I, God, I love that. the ones, and that's, that's, an, that's another, that's one of the few <laughs> <laughs> they're great seats but that's also one of the few innovations um that they've made yeah. in the past few years that that i think is smart that that and reserved seating you know yes. yes i mean granted i will always have fond memories of waiting in line for one or two or three hours or or in the case of phantom menace uh 12 hours to see a movie and having that experience with the other people online, but you know, I'm older now, and I don't want to do that crap anymore. <laughs> I, I, right. I want to come in five minutes before the preview start. You know? right. So yeah, I think there is a way to do it right, or to do it as safe, safely as possible. But it's going to be impossible to do it completely safe, if that yeah. makes sense. No, no, I, th I think I, I think yeah, I think I got what everybody's saying, and I kind of agree with it all. You know, I, I don't think any of us are really comfortable with the idea of just movie theaters opening and just doing things as they are now um you know it, it's got to be they've got to develop in some way or do something whether it's a bunch of new drive ins you know being built um i mean that would be great if the big movie chains started opening their own because you know right now drive-ins are all mom and pop type things where yeah. somebody just owns some space yeah. and has put up a drive-in you know if if we suddenly started seeing like a lot of big, you know, uh, push into that, but that also requires space and, you know, building, you know, you know, uh, putting up the, you know, screens and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, Nathan, I actually had a, I just thought of this. I, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but um, uh, here actually in Charleston, there is a small theater called the Terrace. It's kind of like the Nickelodeon was where we grew up in Columbia, mm -hmm. where it has like two screens. Maybe it has like four screens, but it's a very small theater. Um, and so what they did is they basically figured out a way to essentially they, they bought the back of the building so they could start to project movies and they'll do double features and stuff. So they mm. they turned their theater into a drive through for the duration of the covid stuff. So every night they're doing these double features and they still have like all their concessions and their food and, and, and their drinks and whatnot. And they just bring them out to you. But you stay in your car. Uh, so that's something that they have done. So it is interesting to see that some theaters are actually rolling into this uh, temporarily just to figure out a way to keep, you know, uh, people employed and keep dollars rolling in. So uh, that was just the since you were saying, you know, people trying to innovate. I was like, oh, I, I forgot to tell you about that. So sure. Yeah. yeah, no, no. Yeah. And I that's exactly the right kind of thing. Like, like, like I say, they've got to figure out a way to make it safe for people. Because yeah, I mean, even though I mean, yeah, place some places are opening everything anyway, it seems. Yeah. And so I mean, it's people who want to to, you know, engage in that and don't worry about, you know, getting sick, then you know, that's open to them. But I think for the movie, because remember, the movie, a lot of these movies, when they invest, and I'm talking about the big blockbusters, when they invest hundreds of millions of dollars into them, they need huge numbers of people out there. So if you're yeah. going to have a depressed, you know, uh, uh, theater, because, okay, we released the movie and people can go to theaters because they're open, but, you know, only like 25% of the people who normally go to those movies are going because everybody else is actually, you know, worried and staying at home, you know, does that get them the numbers that they need? So yeah. it's that kind of innovation. It's that kind of thing that allow people to watch these movies safely because people still want a movie experience, right? I mean, even if you open it for streaming, 
you know, a lot of people, you know, they, they still wanted that, you know, and especially when you invested that much money, because the thing I've heard about Universal is that we don't really know how much profit they're making from Trolls. We know that they sold, or that a lot of people downloaded it, but we don't know how much profit that actually got them. Well, the thing about Trolls, though, is the, the, the act of diminishing returns is always on the production side as well. So, you know, the production was less than their first one. Um, and this is stuff that I've talked to my guys who actually work out in the field over there. Um, and they said that Trolls was not an incredibly expensive movie. The reason why Trolls wasn't going to make as much money as it would have if they had planned this out a little better was that they did an entire international campaign for a theatrical release. Hmm. So they had to eat the cost of that. So basically right now, insiders are saying that at the hundred, because the last time I talked about this, they were at a hundred million dollars. Uh, it at the very least broke even, but that's also including the massive absorption of the ad campaign, which was at least 30 something to $50 million. Mm -hmm. So you have to remember that that's a huge amount of money that they basically had to eat on stuff in theater soon. None of it applies. You know, right. it's like it has no it has no impact. So they basically had to they had a loss leader on that. Um, but you also have to remember that um, because Universal did go directly to digital with, you know, the Invisible Man, um, which did incredible numbers. And that's only like a five million dollar movie. Um, you know, so that that thing that completely destroyed uh, the way back Trolls World Tour, all that stuff. It allowed them to keep all of their employees under their theme parks and all their other divisions employed. Um, I have a lot of friends who work at the theme parks and whatnot, and they have enjoyed um, at the very least, 80% to 100% of all their paychecks continuing to go forward um, because Universal didn't want to furlough people. They wanted to keep everybody employed, and this was a way for them to continue to bring money in. So it, it, I, I give Universal a lot of credit for, you know, basically swinging the first punch in that fight that we all know was coming sooner or later. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's all good. That's a good point, too. I mean, it's one of those things. I mean, the, the industry needs to move forward or everybody's going to go out of business. And a lot of people are going to lose their jobs, but they need right. to do it safely. It's a matter of um, readjusting the metrics by which we measure this, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we, we've got this mindset that box office is the only way to gauge the success of a movie and it's never gonna be that way again. And so, yeah, how are we gonna look at this? Are we gonna do theater sales and online sales or uh, drive-through sales? I mean, is it per car? Is it, uh, because you know, people, we're, mm -hmm. we're gonna be back to the day when people are sneaking people in in the trunks again, mm -hmm. you know? So, I mean, we're, we're gonna have to find a, a new way. And and I feel for that. I feel for like the, the movies that should have been blockbusters this year, like uh, Black Widow and, you know, all the others, because we're not gonna have any true way of knowing how successful they would have been against that old metric. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, uh, they're going to have to innovate and do something, I think, to get things to where they need them to be. But uh, and that's and that's what I'm not seeing. Uh, although Sean's point was a good one about the, the movie theater converting to a drive in style. So hopefully we'll see more things like that happening because everything I'm hearing is just like, oh, well, like maybe they'll just sit every other seat or something like that. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, they have to they have to innovate that. Right. That's the bottom line. So, yeah. All right. Well. That has been our five-minute controversy for this time. And uh, But before we start talking about The Flash, let's pause for a promo from another fine podcast. I'm Brian Trio. I'm Martha Bartlett. And this is But First, Let's Talk Nerdy. Clink. Oh, how was that? That's going to be our promo. <laughs> Done. Cut it, Kevin. Send it. Bam. But first, let's talk nerdy. It's two nerd girls talking about nerdy things over a couple of drinks. What could go wrong? Part of the ESO Network.
and we're back and like we talked about at the beginning of the show we are talking about the flash season six and unfortunately uh as with uh supergirl and batwoman also the flash was affected by covid19 they had to shut down production midway through episode 20 so they were only able to air 19 episodes out of the 22 episode season that they had planned so it was already uh, you know a season that that has something you know against it they didn't get to have the finish that they wanted um but that also potentially opens them up some possibilities for next year um but uh, before we we talk too much about that let's talk about you know the season that we had so it was broken up into two halves like a lot of the berlanti show seasons do now uh we had sort of the a story with uh blood work in the beginning of the season and then we had the uh new mirror master mirror mistress i've heard her called in some places um in in the second half and so uh just out of curiosity now um how did people feel about the blood work story? So um, let's start with you on that one, Ryan. What did you think about that first half of the season? We're sort of counting down to crisis and, uh, and we had blood work as our main villain. <laughs> uh, I feel like, <laughs> God, <laughs> I, I feel like the memory of heroes wasn't already sullied enough. Um, <laughs> oh, poor Mohim. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, I, he, the sad part is I love that actor, but he just can't get a break. And it's almost the exact same thing. It's the, it's the exact same story. R- Ryan, 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 you're breaking up. Mohinder's pissed is what's yeah, happening. Yeah, no, exactly. He starts bad nothing Mohinder. Mohinder's like, don't you talk, don't right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hello? All right, you sound One, two, fine. Three, four, five. That sounded okay. okay. Thank you for the bad top. mouth Mohinder. <laughs> don't bad mouth Mohinder. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, you know. I mean, never mind. They recycled pretty much the exact same storyline from him, from Heroes. But uh, going bad, you know, in the pursuit of science, and but sure, whatever. Um, but basically, I think you can encapsulate that whole storyline with the name Bloodwork. Uh, <laughs> this is not a Cisco name, and it shows. This, this is why villains should not name themselves. You know, <laughs> everything was wrong about that, and it just. <laughs> I just I can't I can't uh, even even how they capped it off with uh, what was it the last temptation of the Flash or something yeah, or Barry uh, Allen yeah. it, it was uh, nothing I, I honestly going through the blood work knowing it was going to end with crisis my thought was maybe crisis will wipe this all away like it never happened right. and I can forget about it you know? <laughs> well my biggest problem with it is they kept insisting that oh if Barry will only let blood work affect him, infect him then he'll survive crisis and I'm like I'm sorry antimatter it's not going to protect you against antimatter okay you yeah. know? It's like, <laughs> I don't care how good this stuff is if you disintegrate you're done you know, so I, I didn't even buy it when it was like, oh, yes, you, well, you could you could accept this and be evil, but you would live, you know. <laughs> I, I don't even pay attention to the science anymore. Yeah. Flash. It's, it's ridiculous. I mean, they decided they want to do a zombie apocalypse and this is what we got, you know. Right. <laughs> Legends did it better. You know? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Eric, what do you think about the Bloodwork storyline? I mean, I love that actor, too. And I thought the uh, the two-parter 
at the end, the end right before crisis started up would have been a lot stronger if, you know, we, we weren't all going, oh, yeah, the Flash has to go into crisis, you know? <laughs> right. It's like, oh, yeah, we're, we're totally losing Barry. That's exactly what's happening here. Yeah. No, I, you're right. I mean, that did undercut things quite a bit. Because, um, I mean, that, that I always blank on, on the actual actor's name, but he had some he had some fantastic scenes, both pre and post fully embracing blood work. I mean, he had some great scenes with basically on and off at least three major members of the cast. And, I mean, it gave us a great, great Ralph moment. It gave us some great Killer Frost and Caitlin stuff gave us um some some really decent berry stuff and uh even a cisco moment or two and then you know like it just all felt rushed because they had to get to they had to get all the hits in before crisis actually began yeah i mean the the whole storyline i think would have been stronger if the whole promise of i can like prevent death wasn't like but you have to become my pup my mind controlled puppet you know, like little zombie creature to do so. I mean, I felt like to me there was really no temptation because it's like, you know, there's no good side to this. You know, yeah. there's no, there's no, there were so many ways that it could have been interesting. It could have been compelling. That there could have been a real choice, but I never really felt like we got there because it's like, yeah, okay, so you can live, but as a, a zombie puppet. Okay, who wants that? Who wants to take that deal? Um, and Sean, what do you think about blood work? This is what happens when you try to make an entire half season about a character who's had three entire issues written about him ever. <laughs> this was now. Now we've talked about my 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 undying love of the Flash, and uh, one of the things I've always talked about is, you know, as much as I love the Flash, I will also punch it right in the face when it completely trips on its own feet. And and um, blood work was a huge trip. Um, and, and it's not because of the idea of blood work was bad, but blood work, the idea was kind of a cool idea. Um, mm-hmm. but the problem is, is that nobody's developed his motivations in the comics, much less in the show. So they had to kind of come up with it all on the, all on the, the cuff. And what you get is like Ryan said, a recycled hero story, you know, where they're like, Oh, well, let's get the guy from heroes and he can be a good guy that goes bad again for the science. And, and, and it doesn't, it doesn't sell because it didn't sell in heroes. So it, it's like, you, I, I know Berlanti thinks he can do no wrong sometimes, but it's like, come on, you know, like, you know, just, just suck off the fact that this was not a good idea and, and move along. Um, two, I think Eric's point towards trying to fit this all in prior to the break, knowing that they were going to start developing Mirror Master post-crisis um, really speaks to the fact that they were just using blood work as a filler. And that's what mm-hmm. he felt like the entire time was a filler. Um, but the third thing, and I think this is probably the thing that upsets me the most about Bloodwork, is Bloodwork in the comics is a gory character. Um, an absolute just, if you've seen the illustrations, the dude mm-hmm. looks like he's something out of Hellraiser. He looks like a skinned body. So he's mm-hmm. walking around, he's leaving bloody footprints. He's, he's, he's a horror, you know, mural. And um, we got basically, you know, Venom. You know, like he, he just yeah. looks like Venom, right? I mean, like, it's, yeah. it, like there, there was nothing appalling about him. There, there's nothing about him when you saw him that said blood work, you know, and it just, it, it really undersells the entire concept, you know? So, and the other part of it is, of course, that you're building up to Crisis on Infinite Earths. And that honestly should have been the focus of the first half of the season. Um, and it was. I mean, the, the, the whole point of this season was basically you have Crisis 
And the flash, of course, was the flagship of getting us to and, and through crisis. And then afterwards, you basically have a post-crisis world. And this whole blood work thing that they kept trying to work in and trying to make Barry, you know, doubt himself in the last temptation. And, and it just, it felt too forced. Um, and I think that's because this season really highlights one of the problems that you can have with the flash when you try too hard. And they did this uh, back in season three with Savitar, uh, which is when you try to make him super gloomy and super depressed about everything that's happening, the mm -hmm. flash does not work um, in the face of unyielding odds and hopeless death. The flash is still your, your beacon of hope. Um, and uh, if you don't believe me, just look at Crisis on Infinite Earths Part 3, where we get OG 1990, Barry Allen, and he knows what he's about to do, and uh, you, you just you roll a tear. So uh, when you make The Flash mopey, you, you hurt your show. Um, mm -hmm. And that's they did that a lot this season, um, especially in the first half. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. I mean, yeah, I, I, it filler is exactly the word that I was going to use because that's what it felt like. It's like we're marking time to Crisis. There were a few mm -hmm. things they needed to do. And we can talk about some of those, like they, they introduced Nash. Right. Which, you know, Tom Cavanaugh <laughs> doing his best to pull out like, all right, I've given you like 15 wells. Can I do a 16? Right. And so we get this. Can we just bring back a wells for crying out loud already? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think they're trying to have their cake and eat it too now, where now like yeah. all the wells are inside of him. So they yeah. can always have him be like, now I'm channeling Harry or now I'm channeling, you know, you know uh, any of the other ones so yeah pre-crisis wells was more or less intolerable i mean you know yeah. tom cavanaugh did what he could but i i honestly every time uh, he showed up i was just like oh god <laughs> and i was just like please no um yeah. but you know of course once he goes into his crisis role and then afterwards he became a much more interesting character and and, and then we see tom cavanaugh really kind of grab it and do his his cavanaughness right <laughs> Well, the thing is, I mean, it's like the poor man. I mean, there's only so many ways that you can like depict a character, right? Mm. And so after he's done like 15 different interpretations of Wells, it really is, I think, asking too much, you know, to be like, like, let's do another one, you know? Yeah. And so it's like, and so, yeah, it had to be more about the trope, right? Yeah. And so the trope was, I'm, I'm like the Indiana Jones Wells. You know, but yeah, no, they're going through the list. We had Sherlock Wells last season. This right. season's Indiana Jones Wells. Yeah, right. I mean, and of course they blew so many archetypes with the Council of Wells. I mean, just through yeah. the Council of Wells, we had I know for a fact I think it's like uh, eight to ten individual Wellses. Um, mm -hmm. Well, Wells I. <laughs> Wellses, uh, yeah, Wellses, I think is Wellses. Um, and uh, of course, you know, then a few of those have been brought back over, you know, a couple times. So, I, I mean, they really did. And you have six seasons of main Wellses. So at that point, you're looking at approximately sixteen to almost maybe twenty uh, uh, Wells archetypes that he has worked through. Um, Jesus, that that's twenty seasons of individual Wells characters that we could have had. Um, and they were only in season six and, you know, going into season seven. So it's a little rough. Yeah, they, they've got it. I think I think now they're done, though, because crisis has kind of made it. So I think that they're only going to pull from maybe like previous ones to like have them channel them or whatever, because yeah, I think it's it's too much. I'm uh, Eric. You haven't said anything about Nash. What do you think about him? I like in Indiana Wells. <laughs> yeah. I do actually. Well, and the thing is, it's like uh, you know, I like it because it's not—he's not just trying to be Indiana Jones. He's still Wells. He's still arrogant, you know, and he's still you know that same kind of Wells character, but with that Indiana Jones sort of like trappings on top of him. So, um, I, I did like that that uh, you know they tried to spin it a little bit. Um, 
but uh and then uh, allegra was the other character that they introduced um honestly i i don't really have a whole lot to say about allegra they certainly want us to care <laughs> and i think the connection with nash is probably the most compelling stuff that they've done with her but every time it's like well let's go to the you know uh, central city citizen you know and watch what the you know everybody's doing over there i'm always kind of like okay this is a nice scene you know so allegra's um, allegra's fine but then you have um you have uh mr terrific 2.0 who i mm. like a lot better actually he's he's fun and i like that he's going to be recurring next season no no i was going to get to him um but uh, don't you dare besmirch the name of chunk yeah (laughs) but we'll we'll come back to that i'm sorry continue you you oh you just stepped on a line sir oh all right so allegra (laughs) what what do people think about allegra you know i i I think i'm sorry i i I was jumping no you just go in there man (laughs) oh no i was uh thinking that we're it's clear that they're starting to run out of things to do with like cisco um it's clear Mm -hmm. that you know they're doing something very interesting with the caitlin character and with uh the actress just having her her kid you know she'll obviously probably be taking a slightly less uh active role in Mm -hmm. the 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 week-to-week episode so she'll probably want somebody that can kind of tag in so developing a new character that can come into team flash i think is extremely important right now um and the fact that she she's a little bit more of a rogue uh, i, I kind of see her as like a meta human catwoman kind of deal mm. i think that would be kind of a cool thing or you know um the indiana jones parlance is also really good uh i think that would be an interesting way to kind of develop her in because that's something that we haven't really brought into the team uh the closest we've had to that point would be ralph you know but ralph was more of a disgraced cop because everybody thought mm. he was a liar but he wasn't um so it i i think she has a lot of merit to her but i think that because they were trying to juggle so many things this season she didn't have a chance to shine until right at the end of the season um mm-hmm. basically when you were having the showdowns on the second half of the season i think that she started to really kind of tighten up and we could see where they were going with her but uh it, she still needs more time to cook yeah no i that's that's i think that's probably close to how i feel about it because i don't really have a problem with her character per se it mm-hmm. just seems like she's just kind of like an also ring right you know it's just kind of like right. she's there we're not really doing much with her she's got this personal thing with her cousin it's her cousin right is the yeah, other one yeah, yeah. and uh and, and and they had that sort of storyline it helped get them into this whole black hole storyline but mm-hmm. uh you know yeah i, I don't I, I do like the whole Nash thing, though, that like he cared about this other version of her, but she finds it creepy and sort of stalkery that he's all over her. But like at the same time, sort of see it from his point of view of I have another chance, you know, uh, to, to you know, with this person. And so mm-hmm. I, I kind of like that whole dynamic. Um, Ryan, what do you think about Allegra? Yeah, I, I kind of agree, I think, with everyone else where the actress did the character as well as she could she's not a bad character she's it's not her per se i think it's this sort of weird need the show has to have a kind of young younger inexperienced uh, woman slash girl you know learning her way with the team i mean it's jesse or it's nora and or now it's allegra it just it almost feels like they throw this character in when when they don't need her and it's just I don't hate the character, but I kind of resent the time that they take up from the other characters that I'm more invested in. Mm. Yeah, I think that might be more of why I'm kind of, you know, kind of iffy on her is just because it feels like, you know, like when we'll have episodes where like Ralph just disappears for two or three episodes at a time. And I'm like, holy crap, where's Ralph? Yeah. (laughs) 
want my want more Ralph, you know. But that's okay. We're gonna learn each and every detail of Allegra's life. It's it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think that's because honestly, I uh, this is my private like theory is that we're going to get a Ralph and Sue spinoff eventually. Oh, I, I really oh, think they're going to spin don't, them off. Don't do that to me because then I'm going to hope, and then when it doesn't happen, I'm going to be depressed. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm just saying. I think they see. I think people really enjoy the Ralph, like uh, mm-hmm. the, the long man character, and I think that there's some legs on that. Um, yeah. At least as a, I don't, I don't know if they. I, I kind of wish DC and, and CW would get down and do kind of like the DC Power Hour or something, where like mm-hmm. you have like a you do like an hour, maybe only like twelve episodes a year, but like it's like a half hour segment dedicated to like a character, and like so for the whole season you'll get like half hour segments of you know Ralph and Sue off an adventure, and the other half hour is like Hawkman and Hot Girl or something. Um, and then the next season, if people really liked, you know, Ralph and Sue, they bring them back for another season. If not, they can swap out new characters uh, and they can expand the Berlantiverse a lot without having to dedicate it to just one character. Um, mm-hmm. I think that'd be kind of a cool thing to do because they, they used to do that, you know, back in the day with like cartoons and whatnot and see what mm-hmm. characters really got traction. Um, but I, I really feel that Berlanti, like the, the creators back there, I think that they're really feeling ralph i think that they're they're starting to kind of go like maybe ralph and sue can can stand on their own two feet um kind of like how they're you know spinning off lois and clark um mm-hmm. from supergirl so i don't know that that's just pure speculation on my part but th- that's my gut feeling is that i think we're going to have a really fantastic ralph and sue um season next year because uh the actress who plays sue has already kind of intimated that they've got some big plans for her um and if it goes the way that i assume it would go it would basically wind up spinning that off so who knows all right yeah no we're, we're gonna talk i, I want to dedicate some time to sue and ralph so just, just put a pin on that right um all right and so yeah we could i mean chunk hasn't really been in it that much you no. know he's gotten like his you know the first episode of the season and then he got uh, I don't oh, know, one so or two happy. cameos <laughs> I was so I know, happy. I remember you it. posted on Facebook. You posted like an actual comics panel of him. You were like, I was like I ah! just... <laughs> "You guys have no idea how much I love Chunk." Nathan knows because he's had to go through comic stuff with me. Like I, I made him sit down and read the books. Like you need to read about Chunk. Um, yeah. <laughs> Chunk was one of those characters I always loved. Um, you know, Chester R. Unk, um, no, Chester P. Runk. Sorry. Um, I loved that that Chunk was always this character that nobody understood. He has this power that he can't control because he has a black hole inside of him that creates a pocket universe where if you get absorbed, you're stuck kind of like this weird little, you know, alternate dimension. Um, and uh, I, I always thought that was kind of a cool thing that, you know, since people just didn't know what to make of him, they treated him as a villain and the Flash was the one who came out and he's like, maybe he's not such a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and like they become friends and like, you know, the, it, anecdotally, they talk about the fact that Chunk always sends Wally West, you know, birthday cards and stuff and like they hang out and like, you know, he's just Chunk is always in Wally's life, even though we don't see him a lot. And so when they said they were going to cast Chester, I was like, oh, my God, yes. <laughs> um, so and I mean, honestly, he is I, I mean, I, I hate to say this for people who are fans of Cisco, but I mean, it's clear he's Cisco 2.0 it, yeah. at some point. Um, uh, oh, I forget Carlos his first name. Valdez. Yeah, I was, I was saying Valdez. I was like, what the hell is his first name? If Carlos Valdez pulls the I don't want to be here anymore trigger, they have their backup. And I think that Chunk is a pretty good uh, substitute. Um, I really like the actor. I, I like his nervousness um, because it's a different energy than what Cisco has. Cisco was always very kind of like laissez-faire with how he approached the superheroics. Um, and Chunk has that same knowledge, but he's so afraid of offending people because he's like, I don't deserve to stand on hallowed soil. Uh, and I think that's a, a hallowed ground. And, and so 
his reverence and, and nervousness, I think, could make an interesting dynamic. But I, I loved Chunk. I, I'm, I'm so happy that they brought him in. And uh, I was kind of bummed when they said, welcome to Team Flash. And then he vanishes for the rest of the season. <laughs> Someone's got to watch the door of the place. Right? Seriously. Right. Well, that's true. God, everybody gets in there. He's, he's on monitor duty way down the front floor. Just... Yeah, I think the writings on the wall with Carlos Valdez, like, you know, last season, it was clear that like, they they wrote it into such a place that if he wanted out, they had him out. Mm -hmm. And they must have gotten him to agree to do another season. Um, But I think that this was kind of like the, all right, but at the end of this season, we're going to, you know, segue to Chunk and we're probably gonna have a handoff. So we didn't get there because they had to shut down the season early. But I suspect that after the first three episodes next year, if they stay with the original scripts, which it sounds like everything I've read sounds like they're going to try to do the, the three scripts as close as possible as they can, but with any like restrictions that when they go back to filming, they have to have, they might have to change a few things around. Um, so yeah, I, I really suspect um, Cisco is out. Yeah, and honestly, if we're being completely honest, and I would love to hear everybody else's opinion on this, but um, I, I, I'm not feeling, I'm not feeling it. Ever since it became blatantly apparent, like at the end of season four, beginning of season five, that he wanted out, mm-hmm. like it feels like he's just showing up to work. It doesn't feel like the Cisco we had from like the first three, four seasons. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, honestly, uh, and, and this is my, I, I don't mean this to besmirch him because when he was on, he was on, but it's very clear that if his heart's not in this project, he cannot lie well enough to do it. So don't let Thor hit you on the way out. You know, I would much rather have a new character there that's tearing it up and making me laugh and, and, and having a good time and wanting to be there versus an actor who's doing it out of perfunctory reasons. Um, uh, he, and, he's and been phoning it in. Really? Definitely. He really has. Yeah, I mean, they gave him that episode devoted to him this season with the with the gypsy death, which, okay, the off-screen gypsy death, I thought oh, was yeah. pretty offensive. Um, I, I, well, I, does anybody I, know why that happened? No, and Did in fact, ask? even the actress was like, no, I would have come back if they had ever asked me to. So, I mean, it wasn't on her. It wasn't a thing. Weird. She was like, I'm done with you guys, and I never want to do it, so they killed her off. Um, yeah, but in fairness, if they can only afford her or Danny Trejo, they made the right choice. <laughs> well, I sincerely <laughs> doubt they pull the same damn rate. I mean, come on, right? <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> I'm just saying, <laughs> they're saving yeah. their money for crisis, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 Everything about that episode just made me mad. Yeah. <laughs> it just, uh, everything. Oh, they pulled so many games on that episode. And then it's the whole thing of, like, they even show the death and i'm like okay if you couldn't bring the actress back don't show the death but with like hair all over her face so it's really another person the bad wig yeah the bad wig you know just like oh come on i liked gypsy a lot yeah sad that she was gone Eh, there's been fishiness around the berlanti versus last year i mean ever since we found out the stuff with ralph and his wife and how their their relationship ended with legends you know like other people not being invited to come back, the rushed throwaway line of Earth One basically was it which one's uh Harry's Earth? I always forget. Oh, Earth Earth. Two. Harry's Earth, Earth two. two, excuse me, yeah. Earth two being like a throwaway line and just and even even I mean um even uh the JSA Earth, which uh, I'm blanking on that Earth number two. Um, um it's it's like fifteen or something like that, I think. So yeah. 15 or 16, I mean there's yeah so much of it is rushed and then all these weird like 
actors being kind of dismissed out of their contracts without even so much of a uh, hey do you want to come back it's like no we're writing you off see you later like but they did brendan ruth it's all this weirdness that's what i'm saying though it's like well i knew that brandon ralph was leaving i knew him and his wife was leaving uh but i didn't know that there's any weirdness other than the fact that they just oh yeah oh oh oh, yeah it was bad because somebody on twitter like said like hey man you can still change your mind and he said it wasn't my decision really like he sounded bitter like it was like a, you know, like yeah, you, not my call is what he said or something like if, that if it's, you listen to his uh interview with uh michael rosenbaum there's mm. it's it's fishy something yeah. something's up there and yeah. it's not he, he clearly wanted to stay and they didn't let him stay maybe so. it's because he wanted his wife to work with him and they didn't want to keep the life around i don't know yeah weird yeah, it's, yeah it's our yeah i mean I, there, who knows what's going on there but yeah no it's the, and i don't even know if this thing with gypsy was connected at all with it but yeah well, that's but, but that's yeah. what i'm saying like some of it some of it is like the weirdness with with some of these actors and their contracts being up and you know like other parts of it feel like the writer's room rushing things i mean the fact that like arrows arrows last season basically felt like like what what a lot of flash could have been doing in the first part of the season but mm-hmm. instead they threw it over to arrow which it's like oh here's the street level hero uh but he's gonna be the one tackling all the stuff with the uh with the monitor and you know all these different earths versus flash which has for the last couple of seasons literally been oh here you know here's cisco jumping us to this other earth here's you know like here's this alternate fairy or here's this alternate flash and all this stuff and it's like nope all this all the alternate earth stuff goes to arrow yeah i think (laughs) the only reason why they did that with arrow though if we're being completely fair is i think because arrow was the flagship show because it was the show that started the dcw um uh and and it was what got us to this point i think that was their way of honoring it um and also let's remember the fact that arrow basically was finished after its last season and uh, um uh, oh the actor um Stephen Mel. thank you Stephen Mel. you know he basically was like oh i'm not missing crisis you know right. so he basically was like i'm going to be here for it so I, I really think that it was much more of a they were saying a, a grand farewell to um the actor and to the show because that you know that was the place that got us all there uh, and then flash of course did the heavy lifting on the emotional side of it whereas you know Stephen amell got to jump universes right well i mean it's so weird because it's clear that they're trying to write cisco out but at the same time they undid the whole thing of like you know iris is the leader of team flash with the beginning of the season where it's like no cisco's the leader of team flash if barry isn't here you know and so it uh, you know they they did that whole thing it was like they were trying to give cisco like this is your position this is your thing now on the team and that would have made sense if they were actually going to do the barry to wally transition don't get me started you know as then like in the second <laughs> half of the season cisco's the the guy that's sort of like leading the team but wally is you know the flash you're just trying to piss and, me off here nathan <laughs> just trying to piss me off here <laughs> so it seems like they didn't even know what they were doing i think or, yeah. or were think doing different things and we and, and yeah so instead so since since oliver got to do all the stuff actually leading up to crisis the flash was left with we got this newspaper article let's obsess about it for nine episodes can we talk about how crappy team sentinel is <laughs> like oh, I, I am so done with like every single time they cut to iris and team sentinel i'm like dying yeah. fire. 
I'm like, I don't want to know anything about this. They, they yeah. want to build up Camilla as this main character in Allegra. And it's nice to see Iris actually doing report. It got us six seasons to get there. But yeah. finally, Iris is actually acting like a reporter. And it's like, yeah. great. And I'm okay with her. It's just the add-ons don't, don't, I don't, they don't matter. Well, I think honestly what it is, is if you look at like, to go back to the 90s, if you look back at how they handled like Lois and Clark, right? The newsroom mm-hmm. was never the, the epicenter of this is where the drama is going to happen for the team. It was where they got their job assignments and they went out to the field. Whereas for, 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 for the Sentinel, it was like, no, the news, the, 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 our one room news office is where all of our drama is going to happen. Like there was very rarely let's go into the field. And it just felt like it, it, it we've said it before already. It felt like filler to me. Mm-hmm. you know and uh, i like the actresses i like the characters i just think that you know well why can't they just have their filler moments over in you know star labs it's not like that place isn't big enough to hold like 15 different businesses right you know <laughs> <laughs> there, there are whole like secret armies of villains just hiding out in star labs you know because they well, don't I mean, know seriously, the they places. even proved their, <laughs> they even proved the point last season when nora showed them the freaking lounge right and right. that's when you find out joe had his secret lounge it's right. like there are whole sections of star labs that they don't even mess with right it's like, yeah. come on i've never seen this room before they're just lost <laughs> right they're just i can't find the door wouldn't that be funny if they pulled out like some villain we haven't seen since season one it's been like oh man i'm so glad you found me i've been wandering these halls for five years magenta just shows back up she's like i've been bending walls and they just bend back what what the hell and you just hear gideon laughing in the background like <laughs> and that's how you find out gideon's the bad guy for season eight <laughs> oh man um so yeah um i i like i say i i think that having cisco like designating him as the leader in barry's absence was was like a good you know idea but they just didn't do anything with it other than to just give cisco something to do for an episode so yeah. and then he vanished for like seven episodes yeah yeah so then we actually get to crisis and uh and i see this is my problem we spend nine episodes about how barry's gonna vanish in crisis and i and i said this to my wife i said this to beth i was like i know they're gonna do this but i really hope they don't that's the whole reason they introduced barry allen of earth 90 is they're gonna be like the article just says barry allen or the flash disappears it doesn't say which flash disappears yuck yuck and that's what they did it was such a cop-out and it made me so mad because that's not what we've been if you lay the groundwork throughout six years of your show that this is a thing that's gonna happen and then to just pull the rug out when you actually get there and don't even give it like an episode or two to actually happen and transition to wally and you know do all that oh i was i was i i get that for john wesley ship this was a moment and And it was a really good moment kudos to him you know like because he deserves it you know, with with all the work he's done in, all the love of the character, and all everything that he's done, he deserves to have a moment. Um, but but yeah, I, uh, I I was very frustrated that they did this cop out. I mean, okay. I'll, I'll I'm sorry. Go ahead, Ryan, because I got thoughts. Go go. Yeah. I, you know, I'm going to defend it a little bit. Um, not because I don't agree with you, Nathan. I, I I do that it is a cop out, but it's worth looking at it in context that they moved Crisis up like by what like six years or something like four years or or something. Yeah, uh, to this point. yeah. So it, it, it's not that they might not have planned on actually getting rid of 
Grant Gustin, and re- assuming the show had gone on that long, and replacing him with someone else. It's just that crisis came, you know, before anyone was really ready, before the show, before the, they were ready to take that development with Grant and pass it on to Wally or, or someone else altogether. They decided that they were going to do crisis and they'd written themselves into a, or painted themselves into a corner with this prophecy, which they now had to finish. Um, so it would be kind of like if, um, if in this first season of Arrow, they'd said that, that, you know, crisis was going to, was going to come and Arrow died, which he did, but they moved it up. So it, I guess I, I'm, I'm kind of all over the place on this one because I, I do get, your annoying, your annoyance with it because it is legitimate. It is a cop out. Although Flash has done that from day one, <laughs> um, yeah. I know it's not You're new, but people. I thought with the importance that the newspaper has had in the storyline for years, that they would give it its not to mope about it happening for half a season and then not actually pay it off. You know, uh, but hello, it, Iris dying at the hand of Savitar. I mean, all they do this is... Oh, don't you dare. Even then, that was only like 10 episodes of them obsessing about that. It wasn't six years. <laughs> so, I don't know. But yeah, okay, your Savitar point is, is well made with Iris. Yeah. That was also a cop-out. Yeah. Well. And they totally had it out with that one too cuz they could have brought her back from the future and it still would have worked and it's like oh instead they went with the no nah, we're just not going to pay it off at all. Okay. It it was really um Harry or not Harry um HR. Well it it just goes to the fact that I think they're afraid to although they're going to have this problem with Batwoman, they're afraid to continue the shows without the principal, without the mm-hmm. title lead. Um, I, I think Arrow could have continued on with someone else, and I think I definitely think Flash could continue on with someone else. But they are—they'll—they'll they'll lose every other actor, uh, but they—they they won't lose the main one. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and that's the sad thing, and that's the crazy thing, because DC is the company that built itself on the legacy idea of handing off to other characters. You know, Marvel's always had that problem of, you know, there might have been like five people or even more now, who knows, who've worn the Captain America suit, but it goes back to Steve pretty quickly. Like, it, you know, it, it just slingshots back to him. Whereas, yeah. you know, DC has done like decades <laughs> worth of stories with other people wearing mantles, you know, that, that used to be other characters. So, I mean, like... I think the TV universe could learn a lot from that and allowing that sort of thing to happen, that sort of natural progression. I, I, I couldn't resist because I, I have been watching Stargirl. Stargirl is doing it. The legacy. Yeah, I, I, I've been waiting to watch Stargirl until I can watch the uncut ones on DC Universe. You know, I'm going to like binge like the whole thing once oh, it's down. I you think know. you really like it. Nathan. Yeah, but I, I, I don't want to watch the edited ones on CW. So. Oh, no, I've been watching the ones on the, on the, on the, on the network. Yeah. Um, I know for a fact Sean will love it when he gets to sit down and watch it. Hmm. Yeah, it, it's literally on my list right now. Harley Quinn, the cartoon has been obsessed. I, I've been oh, obsessed with so it right now. It's so good. But that is <laughs> not what we're talking about today. Right. No, no, I was just throwing that out there. When it comes <laughs> yeah. to the legacy stuff, Stargirl's doing it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. Uh, okay, so I have a lot of, I'm just like Ryan on this one. I have a lot of mixed emotions Um. because of the fact that you're right. When they started the show, it was clear that the way they were presenting this 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 idea was that if they got to ten seasons of of the Flash, that they could do a series finale and have Barry die, mm-hmm. um, and then they could do basically a, a follow up. They could have you know Kid Flash become the new Flash, whatever you know, Flash the the, the you know the next uh, what would it be like the next lap, you know, or something <laughs> like that, you know, with, yeah. with Wally, um, whatever. And um, that was a really powerful 
like mission statement and to not pay that off by, you know, doing a wink and a nod saying, well, we didn't say Barry was going to die. Wink, wink yeah. was really a, a cop out because some of the most important parts of the DC narrative have been the loss of characters and the loss of Barry Allen. Um, for those of you, I think most of you guys know me from, you know, privately, you know, my thoughts on Barry Allen. And I've said this many times publicly, the best thing Barry Allen has ever done for the history of comic books was die. Um, and that's not because he was a bad character. It's because his death was so monumental. It shook every character that knew him. Um, it became the impetus in which Wally West measured himself against his mentor for the rest of his running, uh, his, his span as the Flash, um, to the point where he was like, I can never be as good as my mentor. And then eventually he realizes that he actually has surpassed his mentor. Um, and it was a really great teaching moment, I thought. Um, you know, Superman was the first person to say, you know, people always consider me to be like, you know, the, the heart and soul of the Justice League. He's like, but I'm not, it was the Flash, you know? And, and, and Barry is the person who has always, you know, presented hope. And when, when you kill hope, you know, that shakes people. So the the fact that they were declaring this in the show, we're going to kill Barry Allen. Like it's his face on the damn freaking tank, you know, newspaper. Right. And they say he's never seen again after that, you know, Nora grows up without a father. So this isn't a, Oh, we didn't say Barry was going to die. Bitch. You said Barry was going right. to die. You know, like, I mean, it was, it was clear that it was going to be Barry. Um, it, it, it's, it's a false, it's, it's a false, you know, lead. Um, but that said, I do appreciate the fact that they gave us closure on Barry from Earth 90. Um, one of the worst things that they ever did, and even CBS has said that, you know, if they, they could go back and change it, they would go and they'd bring back The Flash um, when they were originally uh, airing it. Um, but losing that version of The Flash was really heartbreaking for me as a kid. I loved watching that show. Um, and I always would imagine what would future seasons be like. Um, and to see if even it was only a moment, you know, Tina, uh, which was uh, Barry's wife in the, the 90s version, um, dies at some point. And, uh, you know, the Barry that we meet, the older Barry, old man Flash, basically, um, is still mourning his wife. And so that moment where he's he's about to go into the speed force and just basically turn into energy uh, and, and he he's going as fast as he can. And he, they have that flashback and they just show young John Wesley Shipp and young Tina uh, McGee. And, and you just have that moment. And, you know, and then he just goes and I'm like, that's my flash, you know, like that, that's the, that's the first actor I ever saw play the flash, finish his role as the flash. And that was a, a far greater ending for me emotionally as a viewer, because I never had that from the TV show, the TV show, it just, there was nothing else. So there, there's a part of me that really likes that I got to get that that closure for the character. Um, but damn it, when you promise you're going to kill off your main character, you kill off your main character. <laughs> you know, like, come on. Well, yeah, because <laughs> I'm thinking about how many people who watched The Flash, though, weren't old enough even to remember right. the, the John Wesley show. So, I mean, for them, that moment was meaningless. And even I, who watched the show a little bit like I, I i never watched it religiously but i saw some of the episodes you know i remember the flash show from when i was a kid you know like it doesn't really have that huge i i find him far more compelling as jay garrick as the elder statesman in the flash mm -hmm. when he shows up and he stands tall with that suit and with everything. the helmet like, yeah i'm always like man he just like seems like so regal you know yeah. like he's like he's got this great presence as, as jay you know in the in the in the sort of uh, spandexy flash suit, mm -hmm. you know, from the '90s show, it doesn't it doesn't give me that same feeling. You know, it's just kind of like, oh, okay, same guy, but.
you know? Yeah. Uh, so I didn't have that emotional moment from watching him go. Yeah. And again, I, I know that for me, that's much more of a, a, you know, and I've talked about this a long time. You know, I've been a fan of The Flash since 1985. So, uh, I mean, I, I realize seven-year-old Sean, there's a huge part of my brain that's just globbed onto these characters. And and I will, I, I will love each iteration of those characters um so seeing them do a callback like that was really good but from a writer point of view from a okay sean's now going to take this to task for not you know delivering on their promise i feel like it really let me let me back up a second this season promised to be the season of crisis on infinite earths Mm -hmm. crisis on infinite earths is about the how worlds will live worlds will die and at the end nothing will be the same if if the Flash was the marquee tool that was going to take up the mantle as being the flagship show after Arrow ends, and worlds lived, worlds died, and yeah, nothing is really the same. But that that nothing would be the same is some of your characters are gone. You know, Ollie's gone. Ollie's you know off being the Spectre somewhere right now. You know, like he'll come back and do cameos from time to time. But losing Barry Allen for like six episodes, you know, something like really make it feel like he's not coming back or the whole second half of the season, you know, like just, I don't know. They could have done something. Now that doesn't mean I want to see Grant Gustin out of a job. You know, I like him as the flash a lot, but I think if somebody sat down and said, look, you're going to get paid your full rate for the season, but you have no more work after crisis. Um, And we're going to hold you into contract and you will be coming back, but it's going to be a surprise. But as far as everybody's concerned, you're done and you're looking for a job. And they actually played that. Imagine how huge the beginning of season seven, you know, like four or five episodes in, right? You know, everybody's finally moving on with their life. And then there's a crack of thunder, you know, and uh, all of a sudden Wally reaches into the speed force and, you know, pulls Barry out or something, whatever, you know, they, they could have done something really special there. And they kind of, they, they just let it lapse. Yeah. I mean, that's, that was my point too. I never expected them to get rid of him permanently, but pay it off. I mean, do something where he's gone for a while, you know, like, and even if you felt like, okay, well, we're going to bring him back, you know, for, you were not even gonna let me gone a whole season, but like maybe just most of the season, then maybe in the finale, that's the big deal is Barry come back, whatever, pay it off. Right. Don't just like be like, yeah, we can hand wave it away. Not a big deal. Yeah, and honestly, that's probably the problem with the, and this is me, you know, calling, calling shenanigans on my, my own show here, uh, which is that The Flash uh, too, too frequently um, does the aha moment where they think they're being clever and all they're really doing is kind of insulting us, yeah. you know, and, and I don't like that, you know, when I, when I look at something like, perfect example, when you look at um, coming up with really clever twists that then make you go back and go, oh, I see what they did there, go look at Legends. Legends continually finds ways of saying, this is the show, this is what you're looking at. And then like three quarters of the way through, they go, aha, but it works. Hmm. And I think it's because they, 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 they keep trying to make the Flash like Batman, you know, or, or something. Like, they, like, stop making him dark. Like, I would have loved for this season to have been the first nine episodes to have been very kind of like, you know, this is happening and we're going to make the best of our time with it. And we're going to keep on doing the fight. We're going to keep on mm-hmm. working it. And, and, you know, and they go back and they get, you know, Kinlan Lonsdale, they bring him back uh, and, and they say, um, you know, Hey, we want you to come back for a little while. And, and he's teaching him uh, what, what's going to happen. Uh, and then of course crisis occurs and, and you, you have this moment where like, it feels like it's moving on. And then of course you bring him back and it's like, oh my God, he survived. Wow. And then, and that opens up a whole host of, of opportunities in the future. But instead they made it mopey and they and, made it sad. 
Well, and even though it got better after Crisis, we have yeah. the, oh, by the way, I killed the Speed Force. Oh, my God. I'm, <laughs> uh, so so now we're going to build our own Speed Force with Blackjack and hookers. <laughs> so can, can we talk can, can we talk about why they're doing this, the, this self-created Speed Force BS? Uh, why are they? Because I couldn't figure it out. I'm like, this is so dumb. It's like we, we, we're going to get some gum and some matchsticks and we're going to put together our own Speed Force. <laughs> This is actually all a result of Jeff Johns about 10, 12 years ago writing one stupid line um, about the Speed Force, and it is now canon, and they're trying to figure out a way to work it into the show. And it is this. The Speed Force did not exist before Barry Allen was struck by lightning. Because he was struck by lightning, he started to gain super speed. And as he ran, he created the Speed Force. And whenever he runs, he's actually creating the Speed Force in the present, in the past, and in the future. So everybody who will ever use the Speed Force is tapping into the original event of his creation of becoming the Flash. So he is the penultimate Flash because the Speed Force moves throughout time. So they're trying to make a new Speed Force that is generated by Barry. And I'm sorry, that's stupid. It was stupid when Jeff Johns wrote it. It's stupid now. And it's going to be stupid in the future whenever Jeff John realizes it was stupid. All right? It's not linear. It's not. Right. Seriously. Do I got to get Cisco on your butt here? Like, come on, man. Like, Cisco from the DS9. For right, those of right. You DS9. Not, yeah, yeah. Not, 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 not Cisco yeah. for the show. <laughs> but what the hell, man? Like, come on. I mean, like, am I the only one here who thinks that the the, the self perpetuating Barry Speed Force that is in the comics right now is like stupid? Well, yeah, I mean, it's supposed to be like some cosmic thing that's always like been like what momentum momentum d- comes from the Speed Force. Yes. that was the whole thing that like Savitar was talking yes. about. That was like uh, that. It's like it's it's this timeless force. Why does it have to be tied to Barry? Right, specifically. So when they did the original Speed Force, it was supernatural, right? It was a supernatural force. It existed outside of itself. But they screwed that up. It was supposed to be Speedster Valhalla. And basically, they made it the Pinhead's next door neighbor, you know? (laughs) So that way, if you go to the Speed Force, you're going to have chains ripping through your body for the rest of the time. And there's going to be Sam and Dean over there from Supernatural going, Dean, Supernatural! (laughs) I don't know what the crap is going on with them. I don't know why an afterlife on the CW can't be remotely pleasant, you know? But regardless, you know, they, they wrote it as Supernatural. You know, and and they had this thing, and then they, they Mark Wade when he invented it, basically for the Flash, it was a supernatural Valhalla. Um, but as soon as they introduced the idea that the, that it's generated by Barry, they screw up all the Speed Force. Like if you've read the comics where Barry goes into the Speed Force after they they come up with that idea that it comes from him, it's like you know what it's like. It, it's like Land of the Lost. Yeah. And if you've not read these issues, I'm sure Eric has. Yep. Yeah, but I mean, seriously, it's like land. Like there are people who have been lost in the Speed Force by accident, and like they're fighting dinosaurs and crap, and like they consider the Speed Force to be hell. And I'm like, this is wrong. Like I read it, and it pisses me off. Um, and then so, they forget about it. So Please. what does that say? If the Speed Force was, you know, accidentally or not created by Barry, then it's a reflection of his subconscious. So is is he the one making it hell for everyone? Huh. May- maybe. <laughs> I, I just. Oh God, he pisses me off is what it does. You know, I, I, how do you, that, that's like turning back around and you know what it is? You know what this is? This is the flash equivalent of Martha. <laughs> yeah. I, Oh God. So it's like, 
you know, they try to like pull at the heartstrings with Barry going there and it's his old room from when he was a kid and it looks like his the speed force looks like his mom and she's dying and he's going to watch her die again. But I'm just yeah. like, why are, I mean, this is like a storyline that didn't even need to happen. No, nope. you know, like it doesn't it doesn't actually do anything for the character other than that. If you want to establish, well, this is why the villains are like kind of like doing a little bit better now is because he can't run as fast or he's got to like wait to run to when he absolutely needs to because he's trying to save his power or whatever. But like, oh, there are other ways you could have done that without saying so you could say like he's cut off from the speed force for a while or something like anything. You know, other than we killed the Speed Force and now we've got to put together. We're going to call MacGyver and he's going to yeah. get some bubble gum. And some stuff. And we're going to get the professor on the right. island. He's going to get some coconuts together. And, right. You know, and I mean, and then of course they bring it, then they bring in my boy Wally. They bring in Kinlan Lonsdale and he comes in and he just berates Barry just right. up and down the street. <laughs> okay. He's like, you stupid son of a bitch. Like, I mean, just... <laughs> Like just start. Okay, all right, all right. I'm gonna switch gears now. But the best part about bringing Wally back this season was that you know the rest of us are all going like you know why can't Barry tell that you know near Iris or Siri as Beth and I call her because Iris backwards is Siri. Okay, so Siri <laughs> is is not like actually Iris. And then Wally's just there for five minutes. And he's like, that's not Iris. You guys better watch her. <laughs> just like. <laughs> Wally comes in and he barely even knows like he was like with her for like a year and some change or whatever living you know and it's like he can tell but Barry who grew up with her he can't tell the difference it's because she was suddenly interesting right well that's the thing that's the thing I said to Beth I was like you know I don't know what they're doing right now with Iris but man this is so much of a better character <laughs> yeah I mean like you know it's funny my wife she hates Iris because that first season basically Iris is dead to Laura because right. of that first season she's like no that character is dead to me yeah. she's like that woman was horrible in the first season um and I was like well no I mean Candace Patton is a, a good actress she's like no the woman's fine the the character Iris is dead to me mm -hmm. um and so this season Laura was actually like yes kill iris <laughs> like, so it was it was very cathartic for her to kind of see iris become a bad guy um so or, or siri as you call her uh, so right. that worked out nicely um but yeah i mean it certainly gave kelly this patent something to do other than just be like yay barry mm -hmm. um and, and it's because i think that they don't like, I don't know why people won't just say, hey, you know what? There's a really great reporter out there that we can all emulate. And just everybody go look at Margot Kidder, you know, doing her performance of Lois Lane and saying, go be Lois Lane. You know, your name is Iris West, you know, Alan. But, you know, go go do your best Lois Lane impression. Um, and that's okay. I mean, we, we need more badass female reporters on these shows that are actually, like, going after their, like, when's the last time we actually saw, like, Iris really go after a story? I mean... She goes after this whole thing at McCullough Enterprises, but it's more Snoopy and more like, you know, private detective-y. Like, like, you know, I, why isn't she like putting herself out? Like, you know, I, I, I just wish there was something a more, I wish it was away from Central City or at the very least more on the front lines of things that didn't necessarily tie into the grander plot. Um, I would love to see her being just a much more active, much more go-get-it reporter. And I feel like they just, 
they want to say she's a great reporter, but they don't know how to write her as a great reporter. Well, the thing is, to your point about Candace Patton, when she was when she was Siri, you could I mean, that's when I actually got like this is why she was cast in the part. Like when she's in the bar and she's like, you know, like taking no guff yes. from anyone and busting yes. heads. I'm like, this is good. I like this. I I mean, I realize it's gonna turn out she's some like evil like duplicate thing, but like right. I, for right now, I think she's interesting. This is right. cool. I, I want more of that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah, it's just a problem. Like it's just how she's been written. Yeah. It really is a problem of how they wrote her. Um and, and uh that's that's really the the issue I have with all my complaints really comes down to the writing room. It, it feels like they knew where they wanted to end the story, they knew where they wanted to begin the story. And then they just kind of put it around and they didn't really focus on it. And I think that that's part of the problem with doing these half seasons and having this big momentous uh, uh, crossover event that happens basically in the, the, the winter that they've really kind of come to rely on is it feels almost like the back half of your season now can sometimes just be a letdown unless you do something really special. Um, I mean, honestly, I think Legends has figured it out. We don't have episodes prior to the crossover. You know, like we show up after the crossover. Our whole season is pro, you know, post crossover, whatever it's going to be. Well, I think um, this is why they're also decided that this coming year, I mean, even before COVID nineteen took off, they were saying yeah. we're not going to do another big crossover next year. We're going to have a little one between Batwoman and Superman and Lois, but we're not right. going to do like a huge like every show crossover because it's like at some point the escalation gets too difficult. Like, oh, well, now we got to come up with something bigger than Crisis, and I'm what? so glad because I was worried. Oh God, are they going to do Identity Crisis? No, no, no. There, no, the next next one would be zero hour the yeah. next one would be no, zero I, hour. I know but i keep worrying about identity crisis showing up soon and so like, you know what though but you just met to let her live yeah <laughs> but, but yeah i mean but seriously though i mean to be fair though nathan i mean even mm. though we don't want to see that happen to sue i mean that was one of the real like big landmark with dc books i got you interested in reading a lot more dc that's true no no it was well written it was <laughs> but, well written but I we just... don't want to see sue go down like that <laughs> no, well, no and it's just like they're rushing too much like we said before like wally if they had just waited a few years would have been yeah. you know so much more impactful yeah. and they could have had more of the dynamic between barry and wally and maybe they could have had wally stick around more mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if it had had more of that because i kind of get why keenan lionsdale wasn't like hey i want to keep doing you know like the part that wally had wasn't really that great yeah. And, it was and then he went over and tried it on the legends and, and it was like yeah it's still not working like he was like i'm out like yeah but it's funny because it's it's like they have the showrunners have this uh, dual competing ideas where they think the show's going to get canceled every year, so they've got to throw everything in mm -hmm. from having Kid Flash in season one, you know, Wally in season one, to oh no, we're going to be around for ten years, so we'll put Crisis off <laughs> ten years from now. You know, I mean, yeah. either plan long term or not, but but don't yeah. Every time they throw everything in in one season it only ends up hurting themselves yeah and i mean to be fair though i mean if you've been looking at the flash's ratings it's one of cw's top rated shows i mean it's not going mm -hmm. anywhere like they're going to milk this puppy until basically grant gustin's like yeah i'm, I'm going to take a break right like yeah. it, it'll be grant gustin leaving even then they're going to probably go and find somebody else to bring back nora when, when grant gustin is the age of john wesley ship is now right. <laughs> It's like it flashes in season like 45 or something. Right, right. But you know what? And honestly, it, it does feel like that. It feels like Grant Gustin had enough of a career prior to the flash. He knows how hard it is to have a job that's going to pay mm. you this well and be this, you know, stable. He's like, I'm not getting off this train. Um, and same thing with the, um, uh, what's her name? Danielle Panabaker. Um, she, her career like completely flatlined in the 2000s. Mm -hmm. You know, the last big thing that she did prior to flash was basically sky high. Mm-hmm. 
you know, where she was the, the Poison Ivy clone, you know, and it's like, she knows how difficult it is to keep a career going. And you now she's moving into directing and stuff like that now. Because um, what she did, what, one or two seasons, two episodes a season. Well, uh, I don't remember how many, but I know she's doing them. Yeah, yeah. she's doing directing. You know, so it's like, but so, so the actors who have been down that road, they know that if, if a show is doing well and they're paying you good money and, and they want you to keep you around, you don't, you don't piss off that gravy train. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why I'm interested in what's happening with that Brandon Routh thing. Now you guys got my, I, I, want, I want to go like do some snooping, but I don't know anybody close uh, to Brandon, so I can't. Uh, I can't yeah, I would be interested if you find out anything, because I really want to know what's going on there, because I mean, yeah. he's one of my favorite characters. Yeah, you oh, know? dude, yeah. Uh, and, and so, yeah, when he, he was kind of just written out and it was clear he didn't want to be, I was kind of like, man, yeah. why'd you do him wrong? <laughs> yeah, but my, it, go ahead. my instinct on that matter is just that it's, he's been on the show since the beginning contracts were up and he i know he's the most expensive one uh of that entire cast so it was just a money issue i mean legends is not flash might be getting decent ratings but legends is on the bubble every season Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah. because i mean he came in having had a movie career and he was on arrow for a while and Mm -hmm. then moved over to legends has been on since the beginning so yeah you're right he probably is the highest paid or was the highest paid of anybody on that cast yeah, I, I think that's probably fair. I mean, really, the only other people who have probably been around as long as that, you know, uh, as far as that's concerned, was you'd have to go look at a uh, Rory, you know, like Heatwave, you know, mm-hmm. or um, and uh, Sarah, or Sarah, you know. I mean, really, because yeah. they have careers that extended past um, Legends. Uh, I mean, you could make an argument for Constantine, but you know, he just kind of slowly rolled in, and and he got canceled so many years ago, so <laughs> he's had a hard time. I think he's just happy that he's back on the show. I think <laughs> I think he's just so happy, like I get to beat Constantine again, so um yeah. but but yeah going back to, to candace Patton though i i really feel like iris has been the weakest link of the show since the very beginning because they 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 kept toying with what they wanted to do with her instead of just like committing to it and you can see the results of it are you have waffling seasons of eh, i don't know um and when they get her right it, it's it's perfect like she she's she's firing on all points and again that points towards the actress is just waiting for the content to be there um, and at least you could say, man, when they made her into a bad guy, she just ran with it. You know, she just started tearing it up. You're like, oh, this is it. You mm-hmm. know, when she started basically becoming a Cylon with victory is assured, I was mm-hmm. like, oh, Cylons, oh, we're screwed. You know, yeah. so, <laughs> I was definitely I really getting did. some Battlestar vibes from how, <laughs> yeah, how they're doing that. Yeah. It was, it was totally a thing. But, uh, but yeah, I, I really like Candace Patton as an actress. Uh, I just feel like, unfortunately, they keep waffling on what they want to do. And I think that's because when you have so many main characters on a show, and you don't clearly define how they're going to be. Uh, I, I really feel that that's going to be a problem. Um, I quite honestly believe that if they, it, it, like, whoever, if they ever hear this, but if the writers really want to know how to write Iris, Iris should almost never interact with Team Flash. Iris is there for Barry. Otherwise, her life is completely independent of Team Flash. She's out hunting down stories. She's out, you know, cracking on, you know, political scandals. She's out, you know, talking to, you know, a, a domestic terrorist. You know, that, that's what she's doing. And her storylines can intersect from time to time, but she's much more of an independent agent as far as narratively than the rest of the team. And I think that's the problem is they keep trying to write her into being part of the team. And it just, it makes her feel like a third wheel or a fifth wheel um, when she, she's the star of her own little mini series that happens on the flash, like, you know, 10 minutes a week, we get like a cool little flash, you know, a, a 
Iris story. Well, they screwed the pooch by making her effectively Barry's sister. So, like, basically, her dad, you know, like, she's around Team Flash because her dad's always with Team Flash because that's effectively Barry's dad now. And, you know, like, all that stuff. I mean, it's like they're so interconnected that it's kind of hard to separate her out because, like, all of her, you know, her brother is sometimes part of Team Flash. Her father is part of Team Flash. It's like it's her whole life is there. It's, uh, yeah. Speaking of her dad, can we talk about the fact they finally brought, like, the real Joe West back? Yeah. Like Papa Joe showed up again. Right. <laughs> yeah. I miss Papa Joe. Well, I mean, I guess it's been a long road to recovery since his accident because after he had his accident last yeah. year, like like he was almost like gone. Yeah. And and you could tell that any cameos he had, like any scenes, it was like he's in a very still position mm-hmm. where, you know, they made sure he was very comfortable and could just sort of say something and then like transition out, you know, to something else. And and yeah, it was it was good to have Joe back, you know, doing more, even though they also then written him out for <laughs> it's like, well, they oh. also like he also didn't get his like Papa Joe like speeches like he wasn't mm-hmm. like the emotional touchstone for like the last two or three seasons, mm-hmm. you know, basically since, you know, the end of season four um, prior to his accident, he stopped having like those really great pop moments where like, you know, like you get like these amazing kind of like just dad moments with him. Uh, and right. what and I loved Cecile about- started giving them, which felt yes. really weird because it's like, you don't know these people. You're like, you're like a stranger. You've only known them for a few months. Yeah. The stepmom is coming in, giving the, the, the advice, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. Well, but- I mean, I think making Joe captain kind of got us back there. I yes. don't know why, but it, it put him in that position he was to be to to let the father and him come out for everyone in the entire yeah. show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, he stopped being uh, the necessary front line of the police force, and he became you know the administrator, which allowed him to become the dad, yeah. um, which is nice. I, I think that worked really well. So, um, but I loved seeing old school Jesse Martin back, just giving some great speeches, you know, talking truth to people. You know, really just, you know, th- there's even that great moment where everybody thinks Barry's insane, you know, and, and, and everybody's like, I, I think Barry's jumped off the deep end. And, and Joe's kind of like, well, let me talk to him. Mm-hmm. You know, and like you, you have those moments, you know, where it's like it, he just he, he sees through the the, the BS. Um, and uh, I, I love the fact that they finally started bringing some of that 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 true, amazing just dad love back into the show, because I felt like we lost it for a little while. Um, and obviously his accident, you know, his injury, he couldn't just they just put him in a Barker lounger for a season. Right. And just, right. <laughs> when i was a kid you know that would just be weird you know <laughs> oh man so so yeah um we didn't hear from you guys ryan and eric about the whole siri thing and how you thought i mean the thing i kept saying is it's like this is gonna be really awkward when iris comes back and he's like yeah i slept with this other woman for like three months but honestly i couldn't tell the difference it's like how do you how do you do this you know, how do you how do you convince your wife that you know you can, and that in itself is a problem that you couldn't tell the difference but anyway oh man ryan so yeah what do you think about the whole like what they've been doing with iris or what they've been doing with joe you know i think we all agree that Eve, siri is better written and more compelling and more interesting than, than iris um i do think on the point that sean's been making and, and everyone's kind of agreed is that iris's title as you know, uh, Central City's leading journalist, it doesn't feel earned. Yeah. Uh, it, up until up until she became Siri, it doesn't feel like she'd gotten it legitimately. Um, and, and they could have spent all this time, they could have built her up as a journalist the same way they built 
Barry up as a hero, but they didn't. It's just suddenly, you know, her blog turns into the most followed website in all of Central <laughs> City, you know, through magic and compelling Amazon links, I guess. I don't know. Um, but the, the th- <laughs> I'm sorry, I had a flashback to the uh, Once Upon a Time thing where you do one episode of a podcast and suddenly New York people are calling you up and wanting to pay you to do your show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know? Right, right. It's how it yeah. happens. <laughs> it's all in new it's all in the shares you know? yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> so keep that phone handy nathan right, right. <laughs> all right but but the thing i mean going on the, the honestly the thing i thought was best about iris slash siri and about the whole you don't know who you're sleeping with was the fact that for barry probably the biggest tell that this wasn't his wife was that she could cook right. you know right. <laughs> woman could burn cornflakes <laughs> and I, I will admit i laughed a lot at that but uh yeah I, I i came out of it up until siri went truly evil and even then she was still not truly evil mm-hmm. but i came out of it hoping that they were going to do a. Uh, uh, you know, a third twist where this was actually the real Iris all along or something like that, because I like this Iris. <laughs> well, well, or in some way, like integrate them together yeah. or something. So they become one being again or something. And, and yeah. Yeah. I, but I do, I got to admit, I like the idea of, of her not being, being a part of team Barry, but not being a part of team flash. Yeah. I think that makes so much sense. Yeah. What would definitely allow her to have like that sort of like when she does show up to make it feel like there's a reason because she's done all this stuff on her own and she didn't need them, you know, and so she's bringing something to the table now. And, um, and I will say her interactions with Cecile and Camilla and Allegra, I like all those. I just feel like they're not even the B, they're the C story. And right. I mean, I would be fine following that if I didn't have, if we hadn't pushed everything else to the side to yeah do it. yeah uh eric what do you think about iris siri uh everybody else is pretty much already covered. <laughs> fine. um i just wanted to see if you had any other comments dad on that because now i want to take the time i really want to take the time to talk about the greatest development of that season and by that i of course am referring to sue well in that case let me pull the sean okay. time. <laughs> <laughs> i'm just going to say and my wife can never hear this but i'm in love um anyway eric (laughs) so when it comes to sue uh when it comes to sue as a character uh especially comic book sue and i come into this from the surprisingly post-identity crisis even though obviously i i went back and read as many sue and ralph appearances as i could but i was i was the when it when it came to the the ghost detectives or you know the flashbacks and just hearing about Sue through Ralph and the others. Sue's the kind of character that has to be able to captivate the room, but stand up to, you know, like the, the Superman's and like the, uh, the, the most powerful character in the room and not bat an eye. And they had to nail that with this, with, with the casting. And they did. She, Everything about the Sue is fantastic, and it's funny because that that first real like solo Ralph and Ralph and Barry adventure of the season, which mm-hmm. I thought was one of the one of the stronger episodes of the season. Oh, that's true. For the first half, I think that was easily the best episode. I thought 
that the woman that we met like two or three times throughout the episode, I thought for sure she was going to be revealed as as Sue just because mm. of how they were playing it. But then, you know, we finally do meet Sue in this. Everything about this actress, she is fantastic. I can see her going, going, walking right up to Soups and being like, Hey, Blue, what's up? <laughs> yeah, well, well, here's the great thing. Not only is she all the things we said Iris should be, independent, you know, strong, you know, able to stand up against these superpowered individuals and not bad an eye, all this great stuff. She also has this amazing chemistry with Ralph. Yep. They, 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 because that was the other essential element is you had to buy these two as a romantic couple. And man, did they nail like the chemistry off the two of them? Like when Sean says they should have a spinoff show, yeah. Like why not? Because those two could easily do a show. And I would love every minute because when those two are on the screen together, you don't want to look at anything else that's going on. There it's is true. so much going on. They are so good together. She's great just by herself, but with Ralph also, it's amazing. And and it I was- have just been floored by it. And the fact that we've only really had like, you know, three episodes of the two of them now is just like, I'm like, no, I want more. Like you introduce Sue, then you give me a whole bunch of episodes that don't have Sue or Ralph. <laughs> it's if, like- if they're not if they're not actually dating, they are they are 10 times the the actors that they're given credit for if they're not yeah. really dating you know off off yeah. screen well yeah i mean that's I, how I, good they yeah. are yeah no i mean you're right they sell it they sell it that's that's true chemistry there um so uh so sean as another longtime fan of dc what do you think about sue okay i think we can all agree that we we've all fallen in love with natalie dreyfus the actress yes. dear yep. lord oh my <laughs> god like you know the, honestly this is to, for me like just the actress kind of like sparks the same kind of sense of memory that i remember at the the final season of how i met your mother where it's mm-hmm. like they really nailed the, the mom even though they completely pooched that season as far as like you know all the crap they did to her like the actress i was like i will follow that trick to other shows now mm-hmm. um and I, it's always fun when i find her another show i'm like oh that's great you know natalie dreyfus will be one of those uh, ladies that i will follow to other shows just to see what interesting thing is going to happen mm-hmm. um and I love that uh, because, you know, I, I love finding actresses and actors that I really like kind of want to follow around and see what kind of crazy stuff they're going to, you know, do after a project finishes. Um, and, and that's a really kind of fun thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the way they wrote this character, I mean, even my wife, Laura, she was like, okay, she's really cute. I'm like, right. <laughs> you know, um, but the, the thing that we've all kind of touched on is the fact that, you know, she has to have the ability to stand up to soups, but she also has to have eyes only for Ralph. And that's the thing when you're in a room with every because they always describe Sue as being like the most gorgeous woman in the room. Right. And they always talk about the fact that she's a socialite and how she rubs elbows with gods and goddesses and, and, and billionaires. But the person that she always wants to go home with every night is the elongated man. Um, and that means just, just like you guys have said, they got to nail that chemistry. And it's so apparent. I mean, like these cats, like as soon as it started, I, I thought one of the great moments was um, when uh, um, uh, uh, Camille came up and she's like, whatever you're feeling, she's feeling it too. And he's like, well, what are you talking about? She's like, uh-huh. And like, <laughs> that 
that was such a great moment because she's like, it's it's all over her. And he's, I have no idea what you're talking about, you know? And, and, and I love that they're both in denial about it right now. Um, and, well, yeah, she's like, basically, you are the two most compatible people that I have ever met. <laughs> right. You know, and, and I love that. You know, I love the fact that the show is just telegraphing, you know, th- this. It, it's weird, though, because they keep using um, uh, Sue's last name, you know, as Dearborn. And, I, mm-hmm. and I'm like, wait, no, her last name's Didney. You know, and I'm like, oh, wait, she's not married yet. Duh. You know, and it, it just it screws with me because, you know, she's always been Sue Dibney to me, you know. So it's uh-huh. like whenever I hear her, her real last name or her, her maiden name, I'm just like, the hell? Yeah. You know, um, but I, I love that. And I like the fact that instead of just making her a and I don't want to, you know, downplay anybody's like, you know, uh, like of the, the comic character, but the, just making her a, a plain Jane socialite that marries into you know, the Justice League, basically. Um, I like the fact that there actually is this whole subplot of the fact that, you know, she's sneaky and she's got, you know, her own motivations. And apparently she went to the Tom Cruise school of Mission Impossible face mask ripping off. And, <laughs> right. um, you know, which, by the way, guys, if you're talking about uh, that that first episode with uh, the, the solo elongated man flash episode at mm. the beginning of the season, it could have been soon. She could have had a mask on the whole time. You don't know. True. That's true. It's true. So, uh, but I mean, that's the kind of stuff that I think is really interesting about this version of Sue is that she's not just, uh, because uh, I, I was really kind of like afraid that it was just going to be a, a helpless socialite kind of situation. Oh, mm-hmm. I've been kidnapped, blah, blah. And it's like, no, 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 no. She's not a damsel in distress. She, she's going to be an equal, um, which is how, of course, their relationship is once they get together. But um, even though technically in their first encounter in the comics, he did save her. Um, but uh, again, when Superman was there, and you know, Green Arrow was there, she was fascinated with the guy that could stretch himself, you know, you know, hundred yards and stuff. And and I love that about the character. So I, I feel that from all the interviews I've heard from the actress, they, they, they're locking her down for a while. Um, which means a, that we're going to be seeing a lot more of Sue B we're going to be seeing a lot more of Ralph and uh, C if it goes well, who knows, we might actually get them on their own show. Um, yeah. which I think would be free, or at least they'll, they'll move them to another show. Like if Flash decides to end up its run, maybe, you know, Ralph and Sue jump over to uh, Legends or something else, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, at this point, I'm waiting for them to just announce the Justice League TV show right. now that we have the freaking <laughs> hall. I know. <laughs> like, I'm kind of waiting for that to happen. So. Wonder Twins 2021. <laughs> I don't know if my heart can take that, man. I just don't know. <laughs> I, I can do I can deal with a lot, but I don't know if I can deal with the Wonder Twins in real life. I just, hey, we know Gleek's there. Gleek is one thing. The Wonder Twins. Oh, I just don't know if I can deal with it. But uh, but, but my yeah, head no. cannon, my head cannon is uh, Sue trained with uh, with with Ted Grant. She totally totally trained with Wildcat. You can't tell me differently. Mm. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, or that would also, be a nice. Yeah, a nice and connection. if you can explain the mask with uh, maybe she also trained with the question. Ah, oh, that would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, the thing that I really like about their relationship is even when she's being snarky and everything, she never downplays who he is as a hero. No. Like, like she never makes fun of that aspect. Like, because, you know, with your powers being stretchy, there's a lot of humor that you could get and you could sort of make fun of somebody. She mm-hmm. never goes there. She might downplay, like, his competence as, like, a cop or detective or whatever sometimes and be, like, sort of make fun of him. But... But as a hero, she's always like respectful of that, that that's what he does. And that's, you know, and that he brings something to the table there. So I, I like that, um, you know, part of it. So um, Ryan, thoughts on Sue? Uh, well, you know, being the only one here who hasn't read the comics with her, uh, or at least not extensively, mm-hmm. I 
probably came into it with the least expectations uh, and was not disappointed. Uh, yeah, they have a kind of a hit or miss record um, with casting in these shows. Uh, sometimes it works and or sometimes the chemistry will be between two characters, which never should have been like Felicity and, uh, and Ollie. And mm-hmm. Ollie. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, but this they did it twice. They, they lightning struck twice here. First with casting Ralph. And mm-hmm. then oh, casting yeah. too. And either one of the if they if they gotten Ralph wrong, he, we would have seen him last season, and then never again, you know. And uh, the same here. Um, they did it, and they did it right. And what it, I, I, I think if I was to if they were to get their own show or an episode, I, and I fully expect next season for there to be an episode of theirs within the flash. It'll just be mm-hmm. those two, um, yeah. you know, on their own adventure. But it, what I'm, what I'm kind of thinking of, or, or the vibe that I get um, without Cisco is um, <laughs> moonlighting, but with powers, mm. right. Between the two of them. Um, I, I kind of, I mean, with, without that whole, I mean, with the sexual tension, but not the type that's going to ruin the show once mm-hmm. it's, you know, once it's <laughs> right. acted upon. Um, no, I, I just, I just feel like there's uh, something enduring here, something which, which Grant Gustin and Candace Patton have not been able to capture, no matter how hard they've tried. And these two have gotten it in a matter of two or three episodes. Mm-hmm. Well, from the beginning, like from the very first time they were on screen together, it was apparent. I mean, yeah. and it's and it's and it's and it's not losing anything by having right. a couple more. But yeah, no, it's it, it's amazing. And yeah, I, I, you know, like every time that Ralph is gone, I'm always like, God, there was no Ralph in this episode. And now I'm going to feel like like the more those two are together, the more I'm going to want them be in the show, which is a problem when the show is called The Flash, which is why Sean's idea of spinning them off is going to be um you know, is, 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 I think a good one because it, it, I could easily see them overshadow the flash within his own show, which is not Definitely. a good thing. Yeah. It's not a good thing. Um, so, uh, yeah. So now we have, um, you know, sort of post-crisis world. Um, I'm not, I'm not the happiest with how they've done it just because like the idea of, okay, now everybody's together. We don't have to hop universes to see Supergirl. Okay. That's fine. I really like that, actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But but the whole thing of somehow Jean was able to restore the memories of people who didn't he never even knew, you know. So how does he restore their memories? But then they don't remember the different version, the post crisis version is kind of like, oh, so we don't know anything about this new world, and you know we're just running around, you know, like kind of confused. And I don't know if I care about that. I would have liked it that just if just the seven paragons remembered and nobody else remembered, like what what all crisis was about, you know. And then that way, you know, just the paragons have to adjust to the new status quo, and everybody else is kind of like this is the way it's always been, instead of this kind of like hey, th- these people are villains now. They weren't before. This person isn't or what? I mean, I don't know. How do you guys feel like they're handling the whole post-crisis-ness? Well, so, I mean, they, I think the best one, and they're inconsistent too, because Green Arrow and the Canaries for the backdoor pilot they did, they had it where they had both sets of memories. And even that, I think, would have worked better than this whole sort of thing where they're like, I, we, you know, we have to like start mapping out the timeline of the new world and stuff because we don't know any of this. They, they kind of did that whole where only the Paragons remember it with Flashpoint, right? I mean, Barry came back and he was the only one right. who knew the differences. And so maybe they're just kind of afraid of just recycling that storyline again. Yeah. And yeah, that I, was my thought too. 
I, I I have an issue with how it's handled with some people. Like like Grodd has two sets of memories and knows both both worlds, but then you get to poor Hartley and it's like Look at the crap that Hartley had to put up with. <laughs> well, and, and they're inconsistent he's... even there because they said that like vibing doesn't even work post crisis because there's only one universe, and so he can't vibe. But Hartley remembers Cisco as vibe, so it's like, wait a minute, you know, he's like, well, of I course think I knew it was you. That, yeah, I think what they're saying vibing doesn't work anymore. I think they meant the trust jumping because there's no reason why. I mean, to be fair, vibe was vibing all kinds of different kind of vibes prior to jumping universes. The man was jumping from you know teleportation point to teleportation point, making sound waves. His power is not interdimensional. So, well, they were saying that that they couldn't even use those devices to teleport anymore because vibing doesn't work in the post crisis universe I because because you need the multiverse even to teleport within your own universe. Apparently, I don't know. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> anyway it's inconsistent anyway yes. I'm, i've been kind of annoyed by it and that's why i thought that oh god they're gonna do zero hour next year to try to fix things <laughs> but they didn't do that either they didn't so you know i don't know but you know um, hey if they do zero hour that means that we're going to see hawk from titans actually become the bad guy from another universe come over and that could be kind of cool but mm. that's a whole nother no it's true i mean they might actually introduce a green lantern <laughs> uh, well apparently it's coming well, maybe uh, no, I mean, the, that's being supposedly Berlanti's developing it for, um, uh, what was it, HBO, they said? Oh, well, yeah, yeah, but I mean, like, as part of this, I mean, because just like the things on DC Universe don't ever cross over, I'm not sure a show on HBO is going to cross over with the CW shows. You guys talking about Diggle's got a ring. Yeah, that's what they're going to do. They're, they're saying that Diggle is getting his own spinoff show, and it's going to be Green Lantern, and it'll be on HBO Max. Although I, th- I heard it was going to be Green Lantern Core, so I don't Well, know. yeah. <laughs> so I, he will be part of an ensemble of Green Lanterns. I'm yeah, suspect. but he'll be. I think he's going to be our vector versus Hal Jordan. I think is what they're going for. Well, apparently he might be on um, Superman and Lois for a little bit too. Well, yeah, that was the thing that I thought because he said something about moving. He said something about moving to Metropolis, and so I was like, "Oh, is he going to be like a supporting cast member on Superman and Lois?" So, learning how to use his ring, which yeah, learning how to use his ring. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. I'd like that. And then he finally gets the call because that's what happened in the comics. Is Hal did not immediately go to the core. Is he spent a while mm-hmm. on Earth before he got the call up? Yeah, because I can totally see David Ramsey being like, this is like the best thing that's ever happened to my career. I do not want to (laughs) go. And it's like, (laughs) Stephen wanted to go. I don't want to go. Keep me, guys. Right, right. (laughs) No, I mean, honestly, they've been playing around with that idea that Diggle's going to become a Green Lantern for a while now. So I'm pretty sure that we're going to get a full-blown, like, eventually what's going to happen is that we're going to have him on Lois and Clark. He's going to learn how to be Green Lantern. And then they're going to launch him off when Green Lantern Corps is ready to, to go then he's going to leave the Lois and Clark show um, and uh, take off to the, to the next one. Okay. So, yes. Yeah. I never read anything that said that he was going to be on the show on HBO. I thought he's that that was been completely hinting separate. It like heavily. He's been saying there's a plan. It will be happening. I can't talk about it yet, but they keep dropping big hints. And I mean, Eric I'm, and Ryan, I'm sure you've heard this too, but like it's all winking and nodding at this point. Yeah. Plausible deniability. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. But um, that said, I will say that at least we got another Grodd episode. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it was a good one, too. It was solid. <sighs> yeah, we got Whenever I get my boy, Whenever I get my boy on a season of Flash, I'm happy. So, um, no, I, I like this season's Grodd, though. I thought that was a, an interesting take where, for a moment, Barry was stuck in Grodd's memories. He got to, you know, 
considering everything that's happening right now uh, with like the Black Lives Movement and whatnot, and 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 having your hero locked in a cage and people won't listen to him, you know, and it's like there, there was a very very key moment there where it was just like that that absolutely I think when people come back and look at that episode later on and and seeing somebody you know quote unquote as an animal and he's like no I just want to go home you know that I I feel like that episode will 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 become a far more appreciated episode as the years go on it'll it'll age really well i think well definitely one of the good things that's come out of crisis is that they've remade the universe in a way that all the interesting places still exist so like we've got gorilla city you Mm -hmm. know on the on the earth you know and we've got atlantis on this Mm -hmm. earth you know like it sounds like we've got like all the the ingredients together to actually do like it's finally DC. DC universe. Yeah. yeah. It's finally DC. Oa's going to be there. The mascara is going to be there. We're all in the same sandbox basically. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And um, so then we have our new mirror master 2.0. Um, there was a lot of crap that happened in the season. Jeez, we haven't got the Mirror Master yet. <laughs> well, <laughs> for being a short season. You know? Seriously, right? Well, only like, by three episodes, though. It's not like it was like a short season, like it's 13, you know? Well, no, but I mean, like, they, I, I, that was one of my comment notes that I wrote going into this uh, conversation today was they put a lot into this season, mm. and I had forgotten that thought until I was like, oh, crap, we haven't even um, gotten to Mirror Master yet. Like, oh, my God, like, <laughs> dear Lord. Well, and she was a slow burn though to be fair like they did not yeah. just like up in front like oh crisis is over now is mirror master you know a new mirror master it was right. very much a, a build-up reveal and then sort of like even then she's in the shadows of the mirror universe mm-hmm. just sort of directing things and isn't really and in fact it's really like when she comes out and makes her entrance is that that's all we got right and that was the last episode they had filmed so yeah it was a cool build i mean you know and i think what was really cool about that build was that you not only did you have that but you also had um the fact that you realize mirror master had been pulling a lot of strings because all of a sudden dr light becomes relevant again Mm -hmm. um rain what rainbow sunshine sunshine sounds right sunshine was that her name i think uh comes back ultraviolets there you know all these Mm -hmm. characters that were just kind of like one-off rogues all of a sudden you have like this little mini team of uh, of an actual rogue team that's you know being led by the mirror master and i'm like okay we have a rogues we we have a gallery um and i i dug that uh that was a really fun moment for me uh and of course he he's uh you know barry's fighting with uh only half of a uh half of a speed force basically so that was just a, an interesting little thing to to have all going on but i thought the mirror master storyline really kind of sung along yeah i mean i think it worked better just because they kept like pulling rugs out from under you mm-hmm. and it was a little bit more of a let's reveal what's happening so, like even when you knew something was up with iris when she started speaking italian Mm-hmm. you didn't know exactly what was up with iris yet right you know and and things like that where it was like they were slowly sort of building on this as well and even then when you meet mirror master she's acting like she's a victim you know and you don't know exactly what's going on they just sort of slowly reveal it by showing the interactions and things that are going right. on that, you know and so that made it a little more interesting where you want to follow to the next episode just to see like hey i think i know what's going on but is there something more here and stuff like that you mm-hmm. know that you know um so yeah i think that that worked i thought definitely a more interesting villain than blood work and like ryan i was kind of i think it was ryan who said that he was kind of hoping that crisis would just sort of eliminate blood work from the reality but unfortunately we see that he's in a cell somewhere and made it sound like he had plans for you know 
getting out of there. So I have a bad feeling that, that he's going to show up next season again. Yeah. But. Look, I'm just saying, if he finally shows up completely covered in blood, you know, just because in the comic, he's basically, he, he's just a psychopath that has blood, you know, powers, you know? So it's like, if they finally just make him a blood psychopath and he's just covered in blood and he's just ripping people up and, you know, he's like, a, a forgive the term, because he actually kind of looks like a, a carnage. You know, I think that would be just like, just do that. Let's not make him to like a super heavy hero. Not every villain has to be deep. Sometimes they're just going to look cool, tear stuff up, and then get the crack kicked out of him by the hero. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that would have been better if they had just decided like, this is a guy that like has these blood powers and he's just this crazy murderer. Like, does he turn them into, does, does he turn people into zombies in the comics or is that okay. something they just made No, up? I mean, honestly, he wasn't around long enough. If I remember mm-hmm. correctly, his bloodborne pathogen that he used allowed him to draw blood out of people and he could infect them and control them a little bit, but I, it was three, it was three issues. Like mm-hmm. there, there was not a lot there. But, um, but yeah but just have him be out and out aggressor or have him be like this guy that really wants to help people but at a cost or whatever right but it, one or the other don't like halfway do it like he's halfway like he infects people and turns them into mindless zombies but also trying to say like oh this is great and everybody should do it. i mean i don't know i just uh pick give one. me mirror master right yeah <laughs> just give me mirror master <laughs> so much less convoluted yeah she wants revenge because her husband gave up on her in the mirror universe and i love that i thought that her motivation was so clear-cut and it was mm-hmm. so perfectly like framed that it was like okay well clearly they're going to stop it you know and i was like oh they didn't like the, the fact that they mm-hmm. actually let the 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 rogue win um i think quite honestly not having those last three episodes for the season was a nice change of pace you know normally mm-hmm. at the end of the seasons you know they usually tie everything up with a bow with a but well, wait there could be more just in case they get renewed right right um whereas this one it's definitively you don't know what's happening until they come back uh what they, they announced he's coming back in like january i think uh yeah january like, yeah so you know so until january we have this big kind of like what's going to happen um and i like that it was different and uh, i like the fact that it gives a definitive win to the rogues because that happens in the comics the rogues do win sometimes they do get away with it and mirror master is one of the more more mischievous and also more uh, calculating uh, of the rogues and uh, his plans are usually pretty complicated so since they're transposing this uh to a female you know it's like great let's see what happens uh and she just took it uh what's her name uh eva i think was her name right yeah ava yeah, yeah. ava yeah so ava was just like she was just killing it and i was like do it do it do it you know i was i was rooting for it because some of the craziest mirror master stories are you know they they, they take you and they put you in a mirror universe they call it wonderland and the world just kind of starts to fold in around you and, and like it, you feel like you're going crazy because all of your friends who you think are on your side are actually these mirror duplicates and that's how you find out you're actually not in the real world um, so they kind of transpose that and you, you have the the mirror zombies, basically, you know, so you have the Siri and the whatever sing is backwards, you know, and, and, and you know, whatever. And I thought that was a really clever way of doing that. I was like, OK, I'm, I'm digging this. So I, I think unless they just kill her out like they do every sequel freaking villain, um, as long as she doesn't just get wiped out early on in season uh, seven, I think that she's going to make a really great long term recurring bad guy that we can see. Yeah, I, I think you're right, though, that of all the episodes we could have ended on, this was probably the best one, mm-hmm. just because of the way that it did end. Like, it didn't feel like we were like, like, I don't I don't know if you saw Supergirl this season, but like the way Supergirl ends, it feels like, a, okay, next episode, <laughs> you right. know, kind of thing. Like, it feels like it was just kind of like, you know, not the right place to end it, whereas this yeah. kind of felt like it was a moment, you know, that that 
you can sort of like leave people on to be like, well, man, she won. So what are we going to do about that? So, right. yeah. Um, you know, she won, but we survived and now we know how to go get her and we know what the stakes are, but we still don't have Iris. Mm-hmm. What happens and, next? And Joe came back. Oh, Joe came back. Yes. You know what? That honestly was their magic bullet. Joe coming right. back was like, okay, everything is right with the world again, right? Like, right. you know, actually, you know what the scene was? And I'm being dead serious. Nobody laugh at me for this one. It's at the end of Mighty Ducks 2 when everybody feels bad and the old man shows up and he brings the new Mighty Ducks and the old Mighty Ducks together so they can win the Olympics. That was Joe. <laughs> Joe was the old man bringing all the ducks together so they could win in the Olympics. That's what that was. And I'm, I stand by that. And if you have not seen that scene, go watch it. It's on yeah. Disney Plus, I'm sure. <laughs> so um, I think we've I think we've talked about just about everybody, except we didn't really talk about Danielle that much. I, I know you mentioned her. Oh, actually, I haven't given everyone else time to talk about Mirror Master. No, you didn't. I mean, I'm sorry. That was oh, my Eric, bad. Eric, yeah, like, Eric, do you have anything to say about uh, our, our new Mirror Master? I don't know. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of, um, of Mirror Master in general. Like, I really love... I really love the uh, comic book version that was mostly throughout Jeff John's run and I and obviously I like the Mark Wade stuff too but um I really I I really like Zoot Suit Mirror Master I don't know why there's just something about something about that guy that was just fun and I mean I think this is a really unique take on on the character and you know, like Sean was mentioning, like through the looking glass and you know that kind of stuff is is interesting. And I do really like how they kind of had to leave the season off by kind of having her be the new big bad in this new status quo. But there's, I don't know, there's just something about the actress that I feel like is lacking for for a big like arch nemesis kind of kind of deal. I can kind of see that. Yeah, I mean, she's she's playing it as if she's, you know, lost some marbles. So, I mean, she's, you know, she has to do that sort of crazy acting, you know, on top of it. So, it's going to be a little, you know. And if we're she, being fair, she hasn't gone full arch yet either. Yeah. That's true, yeah. Yeah, you know, she's been, she the, a lot of this, uh, what's the actress name? Um, she's got a weird name, like Efret or something like that. Um, but, yeah, the... the okay um uh but she has a very kind of she's been playing the victim pretty much the whole season Mm -hmm. even when she finally succeeds in her master plan it's of a victim uh i mean if you want to put it into you know regular human terms it's basically a spousal abuse victim who finally has gotten her revenge on her abuser um Mm -hmm. she hasn't had a chance to truly become arch yet uh so i think that hopefully fingers crossed what we get next season is the arching of this new mirror master mirror mistress whatever you want to refer to her as i like mirror mr mirror master 2 the way it's supposed to be like in right. the comics just put a roman numeral after that name <laughs> <laughs> so, so. Well, well yeah i mean the interesting thing was that after she kills her husband and the flash is there she's like we're the same yeah, like we're done. I, that that line that was a great thing because it's like she's like as far as she's like I, I'm cleaning up the bad guys, right. you know, like I, I can keep doing this, and so she's basically becoming a vigilante type character, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. again is going to you know that's always a good type of character to have because then you have to like put that up against well Flash, you know, every time you lock somebody up, they get out again, and you know, like you know, hey, that whole reverse Flash guy, and what do you do to your daughter, and you know, you can bring all that stuff up, you know. And yeah. so, because uh, it appears that she has access to all of Iris's memories after Iris was uh, duplicated. So um, she knows all the stuff about Team Flash. So um, it'll be interesting to have that sort of moral, you know, like like a, that kind of discussion going on within the show. So, um, 
yeah so ryan what do you think about mirror master 2 well okay i i think this season i would have done better had i binged it all mm. in one you know one or two sittings as opposed to uh doing it a week by week thing because uh honestly the whole black hole conspiracy thing and all that it just i was not into that but the payoff was there when we got to the reveal and that you know uh the true villain and so forth. Uh, so in that sense, looking back on it, I'm, I'm I kind of feel like they brought it together, but it they walked a fine line getting there to the point where I think they might might have lost some viewers or at least viewers like myself who the back half of this season more than any other part of the flash i found myself checking my phone a lot you know just to see what else was going on in the world or if it's my turn to play in words with friends or whatever. Um, and, and until the last, you know, two or three episodes, and at that point, I was I was in because what they what they done here, they built up a villain which probably more than any other Flash arch villain was understandable, right? This wasn't a villain that wanted to just be the fastest person alive or control the speed force or save humanity by destroying it, and you know, right. this was a villain who her husband wasn't. And she wanted revenge on him. And that's kind of like the most relatable villain that I think they've ever had in the CW. Yeah. Um, I, I'm really curious what they're going to do with, it, with this. And, 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 you know, we, like I say, I think they're going to try to do whatever they were originally going to do. And so if she was going to be, you know, like killed or whatever at the end of the season, then that's probably what's going to happen. But I hope not. I hope God, that I hope she's not. open to appearing, you know, later on in the season also so that they can, you know, uh, do more yeah. with her because I mean, well, like we've been talking about before now for, you know, the last couple of times we've done this show, it'd be nice to build up some rogues that they actually keep instead of like every once in a while doing like, here's a new batch of rogues, but then we don't see them again, you know, cause even the, the, the contortionist that they, that they brought in last season ragdoll, who was so yeah. creepy. Yeah. Ragdoll. <laughs> like, he was really creepy. He was a new rogue. And then it's like, oh, we'll kill him off this season. You know, it's just like, man, Did, did you know? Did you? This is, this is, com but, you know, since we're talking Ragdoll, did you know that's Phil Lamar's voice? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's, it's Phil Lamar's voice. So apparently that's awesome. he's been part of the Arrowverse for a couple a long of years. Time. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he, he's just everywhere. He's John Jones' brother. He's yeah. you know. <laughs> he's, he's oh, can we not talk about John Jones's brother ever again? Right. <laughs> can we please not talk about that? All right. Oh yeah. God. No, we're moving on from that one. But I, I will say this though. But 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 talking about um, expanding the rogues gallery, um, at least where Ragdoll's concerned, Ragdoll was always part of a family of contortionists. So he's actually the third, the, the one that they framed him after, the one that you actually see in the show was technically the third version of Ragdoll that we've seen, which means that there's Ragdoll 1 and Ragdoll 2 that they could bring out very easily that could have the exact same powers. Um, and uh, we, we, I mean, you could have Ragdoll return. So it is not necessarily a, a gone character. But no, I, I feel like that's probably one of the Flash's weakest points. And, and Nathan knows I've been, you know, complaining about this in season one is the fact that we have not built up an adequate rogues gallery. Uh, you know, basically the rogues gallery is an alternating group of people who are trying to make it right and then sometimes fall back on bad times and then they start, you know, committing crimes again. And that's, they, they call them filler episodes, you know, in the, in the comics, but some of the best, like, moments in the flash has always been with these characters that you know oh you know next episode or next issue captain cold returns great you know but what they did is every time they developed a really interesting villain they spun them off into their own damn show 
you know. So Captain Cold and Heatwave, Captain Cold and Heatwave go off and become freaking heroes on Legends, you know. And then you know Captain Cold becomes an occasional cameo from there, you know. Uh, uh, hell, um, Pied Piper um, has basically permanently become you know a good guy that's just kind of hanging out with his boyfriend. Okay, great, you know. But when when we're supposed to have like years of Pied Piper being a jerk before he gets to be the good guy, you know. So it's like that doesn't pay off, you know. Mirror Master was in a zoot suit and vanished. You know, we haven't seen the trickster around lately. I mean, you know, where's the top? Give me the damn top. You know, they killed the turtle. You know, it's like there are so many freaking rogues that we've burned through and we don't have a gallery. Um, and what I loved about the end of the season was not only do we have now a new Mirror Master, um, even though they're not, you know, perennial names in the Flash gallery, we now have uh, Sunshine, we now have Ultraviolet, and we have Dr. Light. Um, that's a rogue gallery. It's a small one, and it's a bunch of people that we don't necessarily know, but that's okay. I mean, let's be fair. Who would have thought Captain Cold would have become a perennial favorite for decades? Captain freaking Cold, you know? So just because they have a weird name doesn't mean they can't make an amazing character. So they need to lock down some of these people who live in Vancouver yeah. who are always up for doing like an episode or two a year. Yeah. And you need to get some of them where they just come back every, you know, it's like, it's like how I always liked in the, in the Nolan movies, how Scarecrow showed up in the other two movies, even right. though he really wasn't anything, but it's just like, it's nice to see like a familiar face. It's like, Oh, we'll start the movie with Batman beating up Scarecrow. That's right. kind of nice. You know, like and who's the judge in part three. Oh, it's Cillian right. Murphy. What's up, buddy? Exactly. Yeah. Right. It's like, that's just a nice sort of touchstone it doesn't have to be a big part of the plot it's just to show that there are certain people that are just reoccurring like thorns and berries side you know yeah just yeah have absolutely. a few of those you know and, and whatever happened to the weather witch where right. the hell is she at you she know, showed and, uh, up like at the very end of crisis for like five seconds for like five seconds yeah right <laughs> just to show that oh we're, we're on a combined earth now and in, in fairness we have gotten one kind of reoccurring villain uh the past but i was gonna say there which I don't know how she translates from the comics uh, several times the past few seasons, uh, Amunet. And uh, she had yeah. a kind of uh, season as well. <laughs> well, but she wasn't there at all last season. Like, she skipped a season. She was really big she, in season four. She didn't appear at all in season five, and then she had her one episode this season. Uh, that Valentine's Day episode could kind of go burn itself, I gotta be honest. <laughs> like... <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was fun. It was, uh, yeah. it was it was fun, but it felt like so much filler. And what I do now is I, I tend to binge the the, the, the half seasons. So mm. what I'll do is I'll watch like the premiere season of The Flash, and if it doesn't immediately grab me, I'll say, okay, I'll wait until we get to the crossover event, and I'll watch all these episodes because I just buy the season outright on Amazon. Um, and then I'll just watch them all, and then I jump right into the crossover. Uh, and then I'll wait for the post-crossover uh, episodes to finish up, and then I'll watch them all in one big chunk. Uh, just because I, normally these stories make more sense if you watch them back to back to back. Yeah, um, that's kind of what I was saying. I think that would definitely be better. And the Amunet episode was just like, what? You know, I was like, <laughs> are you kidding me? No. Um, but you're right. I mean, she is a recurring villain of sorts, you know. So I will give them that one. They, they Yes, the, the, the character who I could give two craps about, you know, I love <laughs> Katie Sackhoff. Um, she, <laughs> there are things about Amunet I like, but I think the fact that she's an American who's trying to play a British accent, and that's actually a gimmick in the show. Like, she's actually an American who is doing yeah. a bad British accent. Um, and... and, and she, I I don't know. Her powers are weird, and like she doesn't do anything. But we know she's out there. Like that does not make a rogue gallery. Like yeah. she, she needs she needs some other muscle around her. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm not a big fan of Amunet either. <laughs> but like, anyway. I like Katie Sackhoff. Like, I yeah, like the no, I mean, I mean, she's great as Starbuck, but that's a completely different character. Different character. <laughs> yeah. not, not every actor can do every kind of character justice. Yeah, just, and and so yeah, and um. 
but uh, I, I do want to talk about um, Caitlin slash Killer Frost just for a minute because Daniel Ooh. Panabaker is so sweet. Um, yeah. And uh, obviously her pregnancy kind of overshadowed a lot of this season because yeah. she couldn't do as much physically. They had to give her the new outfit so that it was a little more, you know, a little less, you know, hugging, you know, her body and, and a little more room and everything. So Flowy. You know, yeah <laughs> right the thing i didn't get is why it was like now you're killer frost all the time and except for like a few like isolated occurrences when she becomes caitlin i don't know exactly what they were trying to do with that other than if it was trying to be like a another example of how ralph tries to help somebody while also showing that like yeah but i don't get like the good stuff for myself i just help other people like live their lives which you know is always like the the sad thing about ralph this um, is this is the messy writing portion of the show, which is they've come to like Killer's Frost better than Caitlyn Snow. Yeah, and so they write this whole idea that you know she was always she always had these powers, and in fact the Caitlyn Snow character is the the secondary personality, and the Killer Frost personality was the original like that's the birth personality, um, and it's been repressed for so long that's why it's angry, right? And so now yeah. Caitlyn has taken a step back, so Killer Frost can be the foreground and i'm like wait a minute so they both exist in the head at the exact same time but only one can drive the body and the other one's like in herman's head you know like (laughs) if you guys remember herman's head right like it was just a whole you know so i mean i'm like wait a minute so caitlin's just like chilling out on a couch somewhere in the back of the head watching you know like hulu or something like i it it makes no sense how they're presenting it because multiple personalities one is conscious and the other one is not um, and so what they're saying is okay the caitlin is willingly basically going into a coma so that way the original personality can have a life. And I'm like, it, that, it feels too damn complicated. Whereas I like the explanation more as it's the same personality, but the powers make her a little crazy. I liked that version a lot better than this dueling schizophrenia, multiple personality thing that they're trying to push on us. I, that, that really kind of bugged me, I gotta be well, honest. And they've got to, and, and the problem is they've watered Killer Frost down so much at this point that it's like, why do you even have her as Killer Frost? Just say that Caitlyn has ice powers and like, don't even, say like they've their minds have merged or whatever, because at this point, like Killer Frost is basically just like Caitlin. a normal, yeah, a normal like you know city you know woman, except she has ice powers. I mean, I mean, there's no the, crazy there. Yeah, the way I would have handled it was keep it with the ice powers make Caitlyn crazy, and Caitlyn has now come. To, she's found a way to actually uh, control the crazy part of her mind. She's a, she you know call it therapy, call it whatever you know, but she's finally found a way to do that. But it's it's permanently altered her personality (laughs) so like she gets too angry so like you know all of her science that she has if she gets too angry you know the ice powers start to manifest more and she can't do the the finer detail work that's my secret barry i'm always icy (laughs) basically right i mean exactly but i mean like that would have been a much more satisfying way of of permanently working in the 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 platinum blonde hair and like the, Mm -hmm. the slightly blue complexion and all that jazz than what we got which is she's just randomly oh i'm caitlin today oh i'm killer frost today like what but like i say i don't even understand the point of differentiating them if you're going to water killer frost down to such a point that like she's not homicidal she's not even wild anymore she's just like i'm just i just want to be a regular girl 
Nathan, that's because she had a birthday party, dude. Right. That's oh, that's right. She had a birthday party, so now she's in love with the world. Okay. <laughs> hey, she's and they gave in her. Fact, in fact, not only has she been watered down to the point where she's not homicidal or wild, now she's trying to help people with love matches and stuff. Yes. And it's like, what? The she heck became was a yenta. What the like, hell was like, that? Like, all right. So my my I use my daughter as the sort of barometer on the writing because it's like I have all sorts of opinions from being steeped in lore or reading stuff that you know this is based on and stuff like that and so i get you know sometimes a little too like this is what i'm used to and i don't like change but my daughter's got none of that she was the one that was like what in the world is killer frost doing trying to help allegra find like she was mad about that because he's like it's so stupid it has nothing to do with the character like it's not even like the same person anymore and yeah she she was really so uh, so wait what you're saying is that rachel's superpower is that her autism allows her to cut through narrative bs right (laughs) that's what you're telling us yeah yeah. so that she needs to so she needs to just make a plan that her her job is that she's going to go to hollywood (laughs) and they're gonna you're gonna hire her and you're gonna write these stories and if she goes that's bs you know you're screwing up and then you're saving a whole season's worth of bad writing because you have rachel in the room she well, well and that she was also the reason why i brought up the fact that people who weren't familiar with the 90s flash show would not get at all his sacrifice right because right. like she was like this is stupid she's like they've been saying it's going to be barry you know why are they pulling in this other guy and i tried to explain about this other you know there was the other show and that's who's yeah she's like and I she's know like that. oh man i don't care about flash from the movies. <laughs> right exactly she's like i know because i've told her before that he's the actor from the old flash show she's like but that doesn't matter to me and it's like yeah i, I can't fault you on that you know yeah no i like her superpower uh, that, that's a great superpower to have, just called bs like she just has like a red card like in, in soccer right like no that doesn't fly See, we listened to Rachel. All right, this is, a total, this is a total digression, but we just finished <laughs> watching Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh-huh. And the last episode with Wesley, the one where it's like, you're an evolved being, Wesley. You oh. can go off and oh. walk with the Traveler. She was like, this is the first time I've watched an episode of Star Trek that I'm going to just, just pretend it never happened. <laughs> <laughs> she's like that's not the way that his story was going it doesn't make any sense nope. she's like even like the traveler said that like wesley was going to be this big time engineer someday it wasn't like you're you're the star child i mean she didn't use that term but like just right. the idea that he's like this evolved being and it's like wouldn't that have been funny though if the last shot is just wesley in a giant space being like at the end of 2001 like <laughs> Just floored his, but yeah, no, no, no. All right, but anyway, all right, that was a digression. But but yeah, and the sad thing is, I really love Danielle Panabaker. She is a sweetie if you ever meet her at a convention, and uh you know she's i've loved her as caitlin i loved her as killer frost and back when she could actually transition and the two characters actually were very different i was like she's got a great acting gig because she gets to play these two characters it's not all over the place like poor tom cavanaugh who has to do like 50 different iterations right right it's two very well-defined like i'm caitlin she's kind of meek but she's intelligent and she, you know, is helpful and, and all that. But then I can also be this aggressive sort of wild character. So I get to play both sides, but mm-hmm. it's like, now it's like killer for, there's no fun watching killer frost because killer frost is just a regular person with no really well-defined things other than her powers. So. I mean, maybe they're building up to 
these personalities, the, the, these two separate personalities are finally going to merge together. Yeah. Like maybe that's where they're going with this. And, and I think that's honestly the smartest move because you're right. Killer Frost has become 50% less killer and, and a way more just kind of like snarky Caitlin, right. you know? And, and I think that's fine. I think that they're, it's so easy. One episode, just hit it head on. Boom. There you go. Caitlin Frost and, and Killer Snow are the same personality. Now they've merged together. John Jones says, you're welcome. And then you're done. <laughs> right. You know, like that's true. They can always just pull John in for an episode. Yeah. It's like, this is such an easy fix, right? And <laughs> it would be interesting. And, and, and it allows her because at this point, I mean, essentially what you have right now, Danielle Panabaker as an actress is you have a woman who's been able to play the soft sweet. You've been able to play the, the, the cold mean. You've been able to play the angry mean. Um, you've been able to see a, a, a nice balance of all three of those versions. And the woman is also uh, a pretty accomplished director at this point. You know, she's mm-hmm. been getting a lot of directing credits under her. I mean, the woman is becoming a tour de force on her own. And it's only a matter of time before, you know, she's probably going to move on to bigger and better things. So it's like, if you want to keep her around, you've got to give her something needy to do. And I think even though she said that she had such a great time this year uh, during the season of Flash, I think she's ready to see something really special come out of it. And I think if they're going to do it, they got to find a way to make Killer Frost and Caitlin Snow the same character um, and figure out a new vector. So, you know, I, I keep saying that she should become the next Captain Cold, like, or at least a Citizen <laughs> Cold. Um, yeah. that I've, been, I've been pushing for her to become Citizen Cold for a while because I think making her into a rogue for a season, uh, maybe she has a little bit of a break as she's, you know, coagulating these two personalities into one. Um, and she, she just kind of goes a little off the, the rails, I think would be a really great season for her. Um, and then ultimately she changes her mind. She's like, no, I don't want to do, you know, necessarily evil things and does more of a redeemed hero, kind of like a snart. And now you have a, a cold on you again. You don't have to call her frost. She can literally be citizen cold. Um, yeah, I think the that. problem with that is that too many people have memories of the Savitar season where they already tried to turn Caitlyn into a a villain type character and it didn't work out too well in that context whoa 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 you can't tell me that people are going to have problems with that considering the fact that we've had 47 seasons where i'm the fastest man alive and yet he's not the fastest damn man alive because there's a faster speedster out there I, you know what right seriously like I, to this day I am still happy that the main villains in the last couple seasons have not been speedsters. I'm right. like, I'm like, yes. what, what? <laughs> Just, oh even yeah. though I, I do hope that we get the payoff of Godspeed. I, we didn't even talk about that. No, that's true. Cause the, cause it didn't get to go anywhere. Cause we whatever payoff was not there. Right. Yeah. We, we still don't know what's up with Godspeed, which right. again, that character has gotten way more screen time than any other one-off character in the history of comics. Right. Literally he had like 15 pages to the history of his entire existence. <laughs> well it's a great outfit oh it, oh it is isn't it it's yeah. a really good out yeah and yeah, it's yeah. dead onto the comics too that that, that is 100 percent comic accurate yeah well, i mean th- they definitely were building that up i'm wondering if it's going to be related to thawn somehow and like thawn lacks a body now and yeah. the, there's all these different iterations of godspeed showing up and yeah, yeah i i there, yeah, I'm really curious to see what the plan is there. But and, I mean, but think about this though. We're talking about you have you have Daniel Panabaker's whole you know Killer Frost subplot. You have the Mirror Master subplot that's unresolved. You have the Godspeed subplot that's unresolved. You have the Bloodwork plot that's unresolved. You have the Sue Dibney you know uh, subplot that's unresolved. The Bloodwork plot is only unresolved if you want it to be. It doesn't. Happen. <laughs> well, not, that's fair. That's fair. Just that's pretend fair. he's not there anymore. See, they 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 lock him like fifty levels. For further down he's in the center of the earth he can't get out without like getting into lava which would just dissolve him it's that it's done it, it, it's, it's true but, 
<laughs> right? Just, just we don't, we don't, he doesn't exist anymore. You know, but you have all these really interesting plots. And then you have the fact that the reverse flash for this entire season has been making these very interesting little cameos and has been popping up and then going away. They're finally using the reverse flash the exact way they need to, which is that a little bit goes a long way because when he was showing up, when he had that moment where he had finally taken back over, um, uh, oh God, what, Nash, thank you. Uh, I'm sitting there going like, which freaking version was it? Uh, when, he, when he jumps into Nash's body and he's going to kill Cisco and he doesn't have the speed force and he's just like, ah, <laughs> it was such a great callback. And you, like, you freak out for a second, you know, yeah. like, oh, hell. Um, like, it's feeling like they're finally figuring out the fact that they can have a multitude of these little subplots kind of going on and it doesn't have to be one big bad. It doesn't have to be one macro plot. They can have all these things kind of happening because that's usually what occurs. You do a season or, or do a year or two in the Flash comics of just, you know, two or three issue like kind of subplots. And then you have one big super story that says, oh, all that stuff that happened in the last 24 issues. Yeah, it's actually because of this. And then you go, did they just pull a magic trick? I would love for them to do that. You know, like kind of like look and see what season six was and continue this kind of little bit here, a little bit there in season seven and then say, boom, this is all a return of Thawne at the very end of season seven or something. That'd be amazing. Sorry, I'm I'm derailing the show. <laughs> no, it's fine. No, no, no. That's I mean, I, 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 yeah, I think that that's I think that's a great idea, and I think that they are planning something with Thawne for yeah. you know, and I think that yeah. was always part of the plan. Yeah, um, killing but, him in uh, season one was the stupidest thing they ever did. <laughs> yes, no, I'll agree with that. But they um, had the balls to do it, though. I'll give them credit on that. Yeah, they actually no, did it. Um, yeah, um, Eric, uh, any any thoughts on uh, Caitlin slash Frost? Oh, right. Hey, Jeez, how's it going? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Eric. <laughs> Sean is passionate about that. Hey, when you guys do a Flash episode, you know what you're in for now. Yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I mean, seriously, we can, we, we're we never doing a Flash episode in 90 minutes, okay? It's just not going to happen. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, so, so any thoughts about Caitlin slash uh, Killer Frost, Eric? Yeah, it kind of feels like to me to a lesser extent in obviously i don't know how well i was gonna say obviously i don't know how true it is but it kind of feels like um kind of feels like the writers wanted to tackle dissociative identity disorder but then didn't bother to research dissociative (laughs) identity disorder well to be fair comics rarely do either it's kind of like the way it works in comics isn't really how it works in real life it's true i mean i've only found out about it recently thanks to um Anthony Padilla and his uh, his really amazing uh, video about spending a day with uh, people with dissociative identity disorder. But that's mm. kind of what it feels like they wanted to do with Caitlin and Killer Frost. But instead of giving them distinct personalities, it's just like, oh, one was evil and one was good. One protected the other one without realizing that they were protecting the other one. It's like, if you if you wanted a twin storyline, maybe. No. <laughs> yeah maybe tackle it that way but it's like the way you're tackling it is not the way that that works (laughs) yeah i mean the real problem was everyone saw how charismatic she was as the role when it was the killer frost of earth Mm 2 and so they wanted to sort of play with that still even though they had killed that character off and then it was kind of like it's just i think they've been making it up as they go along has been the problem rather than them really having a plan 
because uh, they were like, okay, well, we'll have her be Killer Frost, and but you know, which is an evil personality within Caitlyn, and then it was like, well, man, we we still like her doing this, but we don't want her to be evil because that conflict with Team Flash was something we didn't like, and so that was like, she'll still be kind of wild, but she'll kind of help them now, and it's it's just kind of spiraled out. You know, um, you know, and then oh well, now it's linked to the fact that her dad was actually icicle, and you know, it just you know, they keep <laughs> making it up and tacking more onto it. Another thing that Star Girl's been doing better, huh? What I didn't say. Anything. <laughs> All right, um, Ryan, uh, thoughts on Frost slash Caitlin? Well, I guess I'm in the minority in that I like the idea of them being two separate, distinct uh, individuals. Um, you know, just kind of occupying the same space. I do agree they've kind of butchered it and handled it wrong, but I, I thought going into it that there was a lot that they could explore there and do do with that. Uh, but I'm also willing to give them the benefit of the doubt this past season that a lot of the stuff that they've had to do with Caitlin was, hey, we need to give Caitlin something to do, but it's got to be from the couch with this pillow this high <laughs> up in front of her. So really all that leaves is, you know, conversation. So um I'm I'm willing to give them a pass on this season and I'll see what they do with her next. I'm just surprised that as a pregnant woman that she like wanted to do all that makeup and everything. You'd think that they she'd be like, I, I just don't want to do the killer frost thing this year, guys. You know, <laughs> you know, I mean, like, I'll just be Caitlin all the time until I have the baby. You know, I I half wonder if uh that was <laughs> I mean, you know, some people when maybe her face was filling out or something like that. I don't know. Mm. Maybe that was part of it. Oh, that I mean, could be. At, yeah, I mean, you could always tell just from Jennifer Goodwin's face when she was pregnant and when she wasn't. Right. And one, well, time. I'm glad that they at least didn't try to build in a Killer Frost gets pregnant story because then that would have been a. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> if, if, we if they had. Need. But here's here's the sad truth of the character of we're well, not necessarily Killer Frost, but Caitlin. Had she had a, a love relationship this season, it would have been with Bloodwork. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because that's Caitlin. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unlucky in love. That is the definite like character like trait for Caitlin. <laughs> Although we never did find out what happened to Draco. Yeah, he went back. Uh... <laughs> he just, like disappeared in between seasons. It was just like, uh, did, did she kill him? <laughs> hey, hey, we we finally we finally got Hart, uh, Hartley again. Hopefully that means we'll get. Well, I'm not sure true. that character really needs to come next back, season, but yeah, <laughs> he was not very. Oh, okay. I love that right. character, though. Um, but anyway, um, so uh, so yeah, I mean, we we talked about Barry being mopey for a lot of this season. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, kind of the well, problem is he he went from mopey to witless because it's like he took him so long to catch on to Siri. And it was like, uh, you know, everybody else is like, um, there's a lot of really weird stuff going on here. Like, can't you tell? You know, and especially when she's like, I want a mirror gun, stamping her feet, you know, <laughs> like throwing like a childish tantrums and stuff. It's just like, oh, God. And just the fact that he like was so clueless for so long. I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like Grant Gustin was kind of underchanged this season because it's, or shortchanged this season because like Sean was mentioning, we had so much going on, and I feel like he didn't really get to do a whole even his death, which should have been like a big deal. Like, oh, we're gonna do this death of the Flash storyline. He doesn't even get to do it. That's John Wesley ship. So it's <laughs> like he doesn't get to have a moment. I don't know. Uh, does anyone else feel like Grant was like just completely shortchanged? I don't know that Grant was shortchanged, but I, I do feel like Barry makes everything about Barry. Even 
he he mopes about something every season and makes it about himself. Whether it's you know Nora, it's that he makes it about him. You know about whether he's a good dad or a bad dad or whatever. Uh, whether it's about Iris dying, that's clearly uh, something about Barry. We've got to discuss. <laughs> and, and, and this this was kind of no different. I mean, the reason Barry couldn't see Iris. Uh, changing for so long is because Barry is really kind of just involved with Barry, and you know I don't think Grant was necessarily robbed, uh, or in of in any respect that way. I just think that he's kind of been emo. It, it's a fine line between Happy Barry and emo Barry. Eric, thoughts on Barry this season? I feel bad coming to him last and yeah, having it be like just talk a few minutes, but I really feel like he hasn't done a whole lot. You know, like uh, there hasn't there's not a lot to talk about. He's just been behind the eight ball a lot. Yeah, it's it's weird. You'd think a show like The Flash, we'd get more of the uh, the fun stuff, which has been lacking. You know, like you'd get more of the the that really awesome Grodd episode, or like I said, the the Flash and um, last, you know, the Flash and uh, and uh, Ralph episode, and just or even like the 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 Hartley Godspeed episode. Like those are the kind of episodes that I love in a season versus dragging Barry 15 episodes of him basically being mopey emo Spider-Man 3 um, Peter <laughs> Parker <laughs> okay okay but if they do a scene where Barry walks down the street like like snapping his fingers at people and stuff I'm there for that <laughs> <laughs> That'll be the next musical you know? acting like yeah acting like he's super cool even though he looks like such a dork <laughs> be funny but yeah, it's just it's weird for like because we know Grant Gustin can have have fun on a set. I mean, look at the crossover episodes. It's him having a lot of fun. And yet, most most of the season of his actual show, you get Moby Berry. I don't know. Maybe they feel like since Arrow ended, like all the all the <laughs> all the darkness has to come to the Flash. It's like now I've got to grieve about everything and just be like, man, it's all my. Who's going to take on the mantle of brooding? Right? Yeah, I'm the brooding one now. <laughs> Actually, you know what? And and we didn't talk about it, but the episode where Barry just couldn't believe that Oliver was dead and was looking for the loophole that was probably the best Barry episode this season because that was some real acting and that was like some real like you bought the grief and the lack of you know just being able to accept Oliver's death and coming off of that being the arrow finale and everything that I thought was a really strong episode for Barry. I mean it's it's weird too because obviously now the arrows ended you know like it feels like they split off the broody writers to go 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 to the other shows <laughs> bring them into the darkness it's like no but but it's like black lightning will he- handle serious topics while still having fun uh legends of tomorrow is just insanity and we'll still have bits and pieces of you know drama in it when it can but like manages to capture the fun of what what the arrow universe can be and then even like supergirl you'll have super serious stuff going on but then you know oh here's you know here's certain characters back from the future to to you know set set their identities right so nothing bad happens in the future and like you know, you're still having still having fun on those shows, and then you go back to Flash every season, and it's just like, oh, somebody's dead. Here's Barry moping about it for ten episodes. It's like, no, c- c- come on. 
This is why I feel the lack of Ralph so hard. Because whenever Ralph isn't there, like the fun just is gone. It's like, (laughs) Cisco sure isn't having fun anymore. uh, Yeah, there was no Ralph, no Cisco. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so Sean, Barry, the season thoughts? Uh, well, unfortunately, somebody body snatched Barry, and we did not get Barry this season. We got somebody else. I'm not sure who it is. I'm, I've been thinking about which other speedster it could be, and the only speedster I could think of is uh, there's one from the 24th century who uh, tried to take over Wally West's life after dead heat, and I think that's what's happened. I think we don't have Barry Allen in the Flash universe right now. I think what we have is a horrible, horrible, horrible clone that uh, is just trying to pull the wool over our eyes, and uh, I'm, I'm not too happy about it. Uh, I, I, I quite frankly miss the days of happy-go-lucky Barry. Um, and uh, I think the further we're getting away from it, the more apparent it is that, uh, that he's not coming back anytime soon. Um, but no, I, but, but, but all kind of like, you know, sarcasm aside, uh, I think the problem that I'm seeing a lot right now is the fact that the Flash writers in season one knew that the way they bring people in is by making them smile and making them realize that you can do a superhero show that is joyful and hopeful and optimistic and absolutely amazing. And then they forgot their own lesson and they made it, they made it more DC. You know, because every single time you hear Warner Brothers talk about the DC universe, they always talk about, we're going to make it gritty and real. We're going to make it more <laughs> emotional and dark. And there are certain characters you can't do that to. Like, you just can't. It breaks the formula of what that character is. And that's what they've been doing. And some seasons, they'll take it off. They'll, like, quite frankly, the entirety of season five, you know, where you have um, Nora running around with Barry, it was pretty positive. It was a pretty uplifting season. Mm-hmm. You know, now when she died, okay, that sucked and deservedly so. You can now have a dark, you know, kind of depressive hole, but it was a far more uplifting season overall. And, mm-hmm. you know, that means, of course, that when she died at the end of the season, it hurt that much more. Um, we're seeing the opposite effect of that, which is when everything is dark, dark, broody, broody, mopey, mopey, there's nowhere to go like you can't make it any like you can't put the misery hole into a deeper hole well let me rephrase you can but we're not going to appreciate it mm-hmm. um and that's just not fundamentally who barry is and i i guarantee you they're probably hearing that a lot right now um having barry be oblivious to iris's disappearance and then when he figures it out acts like an insane maniac mm-hmm. trying to prove that she's not who she is. He was it's the just, internet meme guy with the with the chart with the string. You seriously, know? yeah, he's Charlie Day. I mean, like it's 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 completely ridiculous, and it goes completely against who Barry is. Barry is a scientist. Barry would have facts and figures. He would have detailed things figured out before he ever brought anybody on board. And when he did, he would say so in a clear and deliberate manner. Um, when Barry is not a happy-go-lucky individual, he is all about science and procedure and order of operation. And we're, we're losing that right now. Um, and they even tried to bring it back up, like, hey, I have a day job. I'm a scientist, you know? And it's like, you know, they, they, they keep losing the spirit of it. And I think that's because they're having... I think there's something weird going on right now, quite honestly, in the, the entire Berlantiverse. I think there are some shows where they're basically left alone because they're like, well, we don't know what's going on. And there are certain shows that are their flagship shows. Um, I think if you look at all the shows that were on, Arrow had a lot of importance to it. And they knew they were wrapping it up. And they said, writers, do what you want to. And they made a great season. Supergirl has become, frankly, a big show for them. Um, and they're constantly wanting to build that up. So, you know, Supergirl has had issues because I feel like there's other things involving themselves into it and i think flash being now the 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 elder statesman the great granddaddy of everybody um people are putting a lot of pressure on the show to perform in a certain way and i feel like it's too many cooks in the kitchen and i think that 
quite frankly, I think that Berlanti might be finally spreading himself too thin. Too many shows, not enough quality content. Because I think if he's not, they, they say he's the showrunner, but you know, he's really showrunning. What is it? Eighteen shows now? <laughs> it's it's an obscene yeah. number. I Seriously, mean, like it's a lot of shows. Plausible. I mean, yeah. it, I, I'm I'm not even kidding when I'm. We know it's in the teens. Right. Um, we just don't know how high up into the teens. Yeah, <laughs> know how high up it is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, right? Like he could be in the twenties for all we know at this point. I mean, but I mean, you can't have that many shows running concurrently and have effective show running. And as we all know, the showrunner is the person who calls the shots, which means that he has to put in proxies. And if those proxies aren't exactly what is needed, they ruin the final product. And quite frankly, what I think we're seeing here is I think we're finding writers and we're finding actors and we're, we're finding all the creative people desperately trying to work under a showrunner who is not the right fit for the show. You want to see a good fit for the show, go look at Legends of Tomorrow. Legends of Tomorrow has good stewardship, and everything seems to rot. We're on pretty much on clockwork. Flash and Supergirl? Eh, not so much. Yeah, I um, mean, John Cryer is basically carrying Supergirl right now. Well, okay, but let's be fair. That was like the most inspired thing they could have Right, yeah, no, that's, yeah. Um, We can't even talk about Supergirl because we're talking about Flash. But yes, can right, we just no, all yeah, pour, yeah, can, yeah, can we pour a 40 out for John Cryer right now, just <laughs> completely destroying it as Lex Luthor? Like, oh my God. Uh, like, yeah, that was, that was, talk about inspired casting, like the oh. Ralph and Sue one. That, that was. You know, that, that's exactly yeah. what it is. John Cryer is, is, for Supergirl is, is the Ralph and, and Sue casting of, of Supergirl. I mean, that, oh my on God. On paper, yeah. he's um, the last person you would ever pick. But it worked. Yes, right? he totally was. And it <laughs> totally worked. Um, but you can see the problems. And I think right now what's yeah. happening, and, and probably they're talking about this in the writer's room. They're probably talking about this in the creative room, is why the stewardship is flagging a little bit. And I, I, I would put dollars to donuts that this upcoming season of Supergirl and Flash, we will either see a resurgence of what makes those shows great or we're going to see uh, a continued degradation. And if we have another season that does not feel like they're supposed to feel, we're going to probably start talking about is next season the last season. Um, I think that we're definitely blowing through season seven and we'll get to season eight. But I have no idea past season eight if Flash is going to survive, if season seven is like this. Because this season, even though there's a lot going on, and I, I enjoyed a lot of it with Grant Gustin and, 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 and what they were trying to do, I feel like the vision of who the Flash is is being lost. And this feels like, and you know my opinion on the Savitar season, it feels like Savitar all over again. Mm -hmm. um, and I had a lot of problems with that season. Um, and that, is, for me, is still the low point of all the Flash narratives. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I'm very afraid that we're, we're going to, if we have another one of those in succession, we're in, we're in, we're in deep caca. Um, however, season four was The Thinker, and The Thinker was pretty good. Yeah. No, so, and that's the thing. I mean, like, what, what season one of The Flash showed us, and I still think it's the best season, and, and it's oh, sad so because, like, one of the things that, you know, one of the defenses that was made, quote-unquote, when people asked about the newspaper article and how it wasn't really Barry who died was they were like, well, it was a different showrunner in season one. I'm like, whoever that was, get him back because mm -hmm. it's like that he, he knew how to do a show that was both fun but also had the dramatic impact and had, like, an interesting storyline you know, all the different twists and turns of the Wells storyline that kept you guessing all throughout that season. So it wasn't just because, you know, sometimes, you know, fun or comedy gets to a point where it's just like, okay, well, now nothing really ever has any meaning because it's just silly, right? Like everybody can just pull things out and just be like, oh, it's for a laugh, you know, then the, all the, you know, all the risk or all the dramatic tension is just gone because it was a joke, right? But the flash was the thing that threaded that needle so perfectly in season one plenty of drama plenty of fun and comedy plenty of you know like interesting like story development yeah that's what we need yeah. 
know, well, you that's know, that's the show. You know, like bring that back. But <sighs> I think one thing that we're we can look at when we're looking at what they're doing with the Flash for season six is remember I, I named off all those plot points. You know, the return of Thawne, more Mirror Master, the developing of a Rogues Gallery. You know, all these little subplots that are all going on concurrently. Um, the fact that there are multiple Earths still. I mean, the Flash will always be the forefront of multiple Earths. So when they finally uncork that again, because it's coming, they're going to uncork it again. It's coming. We all know it's coming. Um, but when it's they finally hopefully uncork not it, like next year though, because it's like it right. kind of undoes like oh we had crisis to get rid of this and now we're going to bring it right back. Right, right. Um, but definitely, you know, that, that's something to look forward to. But I, I, I feel like there's a distinct possibility where they can have as good of a first season for season six. Um, just by saying, let's keep Barry in a positive place. Let's deal with these plot threads. Let's have fun with it. Let's not worry about a macro villain. Let's just deal with the fact that let's just show the Flash being the Flash. Because you know what's interesting is that he's now been doing this for six years, but there's not been one year where he's just enjoyed being the Flash. The Flash has been a burden. And you've read the comics. I've, I've made you read the comics. Right. You know, the Flash typically does not see his mantle as a burden. Right. He He's sees not it Spider-Man. As, he is not Spider-Man. He sees it as a joy and a purpose, and, and he sees it as, as his destiny. And I would love a season that has stakes, that has drama, that has a bunch of really interesting character moments, but does not feel like a burden to the main character. And I think if they do that for season six, I, or season seven, I think we're going to see something really, really special. Um, and they have the ingredients. They, they, they have enough storylines all kind of running concurrently where you can have Mirror Master, you know, do something for three to five episodes and you can, you know, the return of Caitlin Snow could maybe have problems. Sue Dibney and, uh, and Ralph kind of going through their whole adventures and whatnot. Um, you know, load work. <laughs> as he as he mumbles it out very just forget about blood work it's fine. you know um hell i mean you could even even though grod said he just wanted peace we all know grod's going to get the gorillas yeah. in gorilla city to do something i mean we're going to get a gorilla city back uh, oh the rebirth of the speed force is another thing that we're going to get next season um however they're going to handle that um and then finally at the end of the season they say okay we've done all these little sub stories um now you're going to find out this one connecting thread all the way through it was that these were all markers for the return of eobard thon and uh, eobard thon in a new body and like the last three or four episodes are just you know oh crap and the the the, the you know the poop has hit the fan and that's when they pull out the shock reveal. It's actually Eddie Thon's body, and he's still around. <laughs> I would be fine with that. You know? yeah. yeah. Actually, I, I would be too. I, I the fact that it's not Eddie Thon. Well, oh, sorry, Eddie Thon kind of pisses me off a little bit because that actor was amazing in the first season. Yeah, no, no. But it's just been like, that's been like my theory like every yeah. year has been like the secret villain is going to turn out to be Eddie and it's never right. I just so. think they I just think they enjoy um, Tom Cavanaugh too much as as, <laughs> as, as, as Evil Wells, as Thawne. Um, but yeah, I think that that would be great. Uh, uh, but please, can we not bring back what's his name? The guy who played him over on uh, Legends and the, the, the quote unquote real face of Thawne. Um, yeah. I, I forget, forget that, that actor's act. name. Yeah, I forget um, his name too. Yeah, I would love to see original Eddie come back. I think that'd be great. Yeah. I love um, that. <laughs> Post-crisis, he didn't shoot himself. Shock twist. Um, but anyway. Uh, Whoa. Yeah, because I mean, they, know they can what? reset whatever they want to now. You That could work, man. That could, that could work. Yeah. So, yeah we'll see so um yeah so of course we've been talking now for quite I'm a while sorry. I'm sorry um, 
so um let's talk about um uh, just as we wrap things up anything we've we've thrown a few ideas out there but anything you want to see out of this next season um so let's start with you this time ryan uh that's kind of tough to say, right? Because obviously, firstly, I want them to just uh, finish this season. Right. Um, yeah, right. it's fair. Uh, but I mean, we've already yeah. we've already laid enough seeds, I think, for us to, yeah. you know, sort of speculate, you know. Possibly. I, I mean, um, it depends because, you know, every season ends with that cliffhanger where Barry, where there will be some some consequence that will forever change Team Flash for one episode. And, um, <laughs> So that, we're going to miss out on that. But no, I mean, uh, I, I guess my overall thoughts, what I would like to see, and this goes to you know, what Sean was saying and what kind of everyone's saying, is I feel like this season, and maybe it was Crisis, and maybe it's showrunners and backstage politics, whatever, but this season feels like, and, and I definitely know it's uh, some of the actors, you know, Carlos, um, huh. th- there's burnout. I just get the strongest feel of burnout from the show um, this season. And it's... It, sapped a lot of the the good energy the good uh, fun from it so i would like just to see them maybe they can take this time uh make make something good out of this bad and, and get recharged and come at the show with a new perspective and find you know what worked for them and if that means yeah kind of making uh some of the actors decide if they really want to even be on this show then do it because it, it's just this this you know, one foot in, one foot out is just dragging everything down. And there's a lot of good actors and a lot of fun actors on the show who aren't getting enough time because of it. And there are other directions they could go. So, I, yeah, I, what I would like to see next season is a commitment by the the participants of the show to actually be on the show. That's fair. Uh, Eric, what would you like to see in season seven? So Sean, Sean will see this coming because we talked about this on uh, on um, my crisis episode on my podcast um which was actually what three and a half hours sean (laughs) sorry no no i wasn't saying that as a bad thing i was actually (laughs) it's a pretty uh pretty in-depth thing and i think we only 40 percent talk about crisis but um (laughs) anyways um i think especially with you know especially with jay being gone and you know obviously barry's only only got his uh, dad and Joe I would like to see Barry get a new mentor uh, relationship if this person can guess at all even though I know the shows shoot in separate countries let alone separate you know separate states but uh, I would love to see the Barry Allen and Jefferson Pierce relationship explored um, since we only got bits and pieces of it teased and I'm sorry I think you mispronounced Max Mercury (laughs) <laughs> but no i would i think jefferson would make a really great uh mentor for barry especially with them in such different different places and i think he he might even help barry you know come out of this weird funk that he's been in forever now i'm sorry i've been also petitioning for max mercury to show up for like four seasons so. <laughs> to be fair he's been petitioning for max mercury since he read the uh, uh the, the the um the the what was it um time oh. runs out what was the name of that it wasn't dead heat was it dead no. heat no uh, no it was um oh crap it wasn't ride the lightning um no, it, it was the one where it was the one where wally died he finally entered the speed force and max the, the, the whole right. speed force was introduced with max mercury and right. i'd be damned if i can remember the oh, <laughs> oh crap yeah it, it like led up to issue 100 yeah it would let up to it but was it dead heat 
Um, hold on. Now I got to go look. Hold on. Maybe it was the Quick <laughs> and the Dead. Now I got to look it up. It's going to bug me. Also, if we're going, if we're going, um, if we're going super, super obscure fanboy mode, um, hey. I would love. No, no, I'm not. <laughs> he keeps thinking I'm going negative. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> I would love to um, see some sort, especially related to Ralph and Sue's story. I would love to see some sort of inver- incarnation of the trench coat brigade. I mean, they've got they've got John Constantine, they've got Ralph. Um, we could easily have Bobo. Yeah, that's right. I'm still pushing for a detective chimp to show up in the Arrowverse. Um, we could get the Phantom Stranger because I keep hearing rumors that they want to use him inside of this uh, Superman and Lois show. I keep hearing the rumor. It hasn't been confirmed, but um, trying to think of who else they could throw in. Maybe Doctor Occult at some point would be fun. Yeah, I think you're misreading what's going on with Superman and Lois, but we'll talk about that another time. No, no way. Uh, it was uh, one of Russ's yeah, stories. The, 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 on the guy in the script is referred to as the stranger, but I don't think that's what's going no, no, on. Not, we'll, we'll talk. No, no, not him. There, okay. I would have to. I'm gonna have to ask Russ about the about the about the story because there was something. There was a rumor that they could introduce the Phantom Stranger at some point, but not not that stranger character, but actually okay. actually the phantom stranger <laughs> okay hey we could go into crisis into uh not crisis we could go into uh uh the kingdom and it could be a, a certain character that you don't want to open that can of worms <laughs> right sean yeah he's talking about magog he <laughs> he's like let's bring magog in oh let's not <laughs> um, no no i though- was i was talking about the whole phantom stranger being related to superman thing thanks to the kingdom oh yeah no that's all good <laughs> That was yeah, my no, joke there. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's uh, that's not good. Um, by the way, uh, the name of issue number one hundred is the Quick and the Dead. The name of that particular storyline was Terminal Velocity. Terminal Velocity. That there was go. it. Oh, yeah. yeah, God, I couldn't remember it. Okay. So yeah. yeah, I was right when I said Quick and the Dead. I was like, that's not right though. That that that's wrong. And I was like, no, actually, the name the the issue where he goes into the Speed Force. Um, that that awesome Linda episode. Yeah, the uh, Linda. Issue. Yeah, yeah. Nope, <sighs> so nope. good. I remember yeah. that very clearly. Yeah. But that was the Quick and the Dead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's Terminal Velocity. So okay. Yep, that was the name I couldn't remember. Yeah. But right. That would be a great one. I, we still haven't really gotten that yet. I would love for them to somehow retcon this whole death of the Speed Force thing. Like maybe, maybe we haven't seen the real Speed Force. Maybe this was like the bitchy Speed Force. Maybe like, <laughs> like this was like the Speed this is Force. The par, I'm saying this is like the Paw Wraith equivalent of the Speed Force, is right? What you know, saying. like we, we we need the more kind of like positive version of the Speed Force. You know, like <laughs> this is the punitive version of the Speed Force. We need to see the the the, the more supportive Speed Force. So yeah. I don't know um so yeah sean uh anything you want to say i mean you already said you want to be more upbeat and hopeful anything else that you want to see out of season no I, I mean i pretty much you know i i pretty much covered it with what i was saying before uh i think not having a macro villain for the season would be great uh i feel that if they handle these different story threads they have enough to get through an entire season that builds up to the return of the eobard thon which is in the back of my brain like the end of season seven that feels like a big deal getting to their seventh season is always kind of like a, a huge deal in, in TV circles. Cause a lot of shows the seventh season is that's where they end stuff. That's where they pull the plug. Yeah. Um, not so the CW getting, though. No, not on CW, but, but getting to season seven is a huge deal. Perfect. And finally finding a way to, to bring back Eobard Thawne, even if he's still bouncing around the timeline, but he's in a permanent body again, somehow um, would be a really fantastic way to end that season. Um, and I think that uh, developing more rogues and keeping him in a more positive light, remind people why we want the Flash. You know, I, I just, I feel like, especially in this day and age, 
a more hopeful, positive hero that's not always in doubt of his own powers and his own abilities and actually is a person who feels like they can handle what's coming towards them, even though they may not succeed. Um, I think we need more of that. People who are more positive, people who are more uh, uh, self-confident, but compassionate and have empathy. And uh, if you've ever read the Flash comics, that's basically like, that's the through line with those characters is they, they always try to understand what the other person's going through, which is why, again, never besmirch the name of Chunk. <laughs> because Chunk, my boy. Um, so, but yeah, I, I pretty much covered it. So I, I, think, we, I think we put a, a nail on that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. For me, I mean, I've already said the things that I, I I've wanted Eddie back um, for you know six yeah yeah six seasons by the time the seventh season comes out mm-hmm. I wanted Eddie back for six seasons. Um, I've wanted them to do something with Max Mercury. The problem is if they get rid of the whole like nature of the Speed Force as a cosmic force and now it's something they've just built in Star Labs, then it's not. I, I guess the the like the interest in Max Mercury as someone who has studied the Speed Force his whole life and who has this whole like connection with it becomes you know kind of meaningless. But uh, I, I still hope that somehow we discover that this whole like artificial Speed Force thing isn't really the way to go, and like really it's not dead or something like that. You know, I, uh, and just bring in Max Mercury; he'd be great. Um, I, Eric's idea about having Jefferson in more it's just it's weird because Black Lightning you can tell really doesn't want to integrate with the other shows like even when they did like their crisis crossover was kind of like he can be over in crisis but when he comes back to Freeland we kind of like pretend like <laughs> we have like a few lines to cover it and then just basically be like let's never talk about this again okay <laughs> you know so it's like they don't really want to integrate Black Lightning in too closely with the other shows um, so I'm not sure how well that'll work but I do like the idea of Jefferson and Barry just because it would be almost like a Luke Cage Iron Fist kind of relationship of just like where they come from in life and everything and just sort of the shock of here's an older black man and this sort of young white guy from a you know somewhat although I guess Barry was raised by people of color so I guess it doesn't I don't know but I think it would be interesting you know to see their interactions but um yeah, no, I mean, not too much beyond that. I want to see some payoffs for the storylines they've been doing. I definitely want to see it more positive and more Ralph and Sue. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, yeah, Ralph and Sue are definitely like the power couple coming out of this season. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah, I mean, they're definitely going to do I mean, if they didn't already have her locked down before, like, they, they showed that first episode, they immediately went into contractual talks with her after they saw how that first episode with her landed. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, all right. Um, so yeah, now it's time to, uh, you know, say our goodbyes, let people know where they can find us. Um, so let's start with you, Eric. Uh, if you just look on Twitter, you should be able to find everything else. It's just at Eric Ratcliffe and you can find when I do update the podcast, when, uh, when new comic day is up, I usually post it there as well as the main site. Um, retweet and tweet whenever (laughs) uh pretty much find everything through there all right and uh sean why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you sure well thanks for having me on guys i appreciate it uh sorry that i always go long in the mouth on this one uh i always always you're the world's foremost flash fan so if there's ever an episode for you to go long on this is the one yeah, I, I mean, I really do. Like, I, I warn people. I'm like, okay, if we're talking about the Flash, just strap in, okay? Because I'm going to get very opinionated very quick. Like, but, um, but yeah, thanks for letting me talk about Flash, uh, and I hope that we see some really cool things happen in the future. Uh, if you guys want to hear me just ramble uh, on a fairly frequent basis, uh, I actually do Twitch now. 
Um, my wife and I uh, stopped doing so many conventions over the year. Um, and we only do like a handful. And so all the people out there who have met us in all the different cities all over the country um, are like, man, we still wish we could kind of see your stuff and talk with you. Um, and so what we did is we started about seven, eight months ago, we started doing Twitch. And now it's become like a weekly thing where we're on, you know, two to three nights a week. Uh, and uh, it's kind of like a podcast, except you get to talk with me immediately. So if you ever want to come on board and talk about Flash, comics, whatever, uh, we, we pretty much have a whole no barred uh, thing. And you get to see whatever I'm working on art wise. So uh, come by and check that out. That's over at twitch.tv forward slash popcycle. And of course, if you'd like to see any of the artwork my wife and I make, you can find us at popcyclebobbles.com. And that's pretty much universal all the way down through all the social media. Very cool. And Ryan, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you? All right. Well, uh, until next time, Internet, I'm not going to say goodbye. I pay too much for, you know, fast speed uh, Internet. Um, You can find me... (laughs) You can find me at geekstranger.com. Sure, why not? Uh, you can find me on Facebook or Twitter uh, at geekstranger. Um, and from there, basically, your honestly, your best bet finding me is to find one of these other fine people and make a comment, which is just grossly wrong, so I can come correct you. But uh, otherwise, and tag me because that's the only way I'll see it because I've been really busy lately. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and that's true. Yeah. <laughs> we will. All right. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Sean, Eric, Ryan, thank you so much for being on the show this time. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. And that's it for our episode on The Flash. What did you think? Did you like the episode? Did you not like it? Are there things that you think that we can improve? Are there guests that you want to hear come on the show more often? We want to hear all of that. So you can do that. You can give us feedback in a lot of different ways. One way is to email us at everything at 42cast.com. You can go to our Facebook at facebook.com slash 42cast and leave a message there. You can go to our website at 42cast.com. You can also tweet to us at 42cast. And you can go to our Instagram, which is also 42cast. You can also leave us reviews on Stitcher Radio or iTunes. So there's a lot of different ways that you can do it. You can get in touch. Let us know. We want to hear. We want to improve. We still don't get anywhere near enough feedback in my mind. We get a little bit, but I really want to know what people want to hear or if they like what we're doing already. I mean, that's good feedback too. So please just drop us a line. Please let us know. The other thing that I want to make sure that I mention is the ESO Patreon. You can find that at patreon.com slash ESO Network. There are different tiers with different privileges based on the amount that you can donate. So this is something that helps all of the ESO network shows stay running. So if you have some money available, this is something that you can contribute to and you want to help out the ESO network, then please give that your consideration. There's not a whole lot more left to talk about. Just a little secret for everybody because Beth only listens to these sporadically and I don't think she's going to listen to this one. I have gotten her an amazing anniversary gift. It is something that she will absolutely go crazy for, and I am super proud of it. If you have heard of Cameo, I am going to get her a Cameo from Kevin Conroy, who played Batman, and she absolutely loves him. So I can't wait to see her reaction, and hopefully in a few episodes I'll be able to tell you guys about it. But yeah, that's going to be the thing that's, you know, sort of geeky, but kind of exciting that's going on over on our neck of the woods over here. 
And I guess the other thing that I should mention is that I asked a while back about what do you want to hear more from us, and the thing that I heard the most was about Star Wars. A lot of people would like us to talk more about Star Wars. So coming soon, you may hear more from us about Star Wars. I'm actually putting some things together. It's actually going to be kind of an exciting project. Several different people are working with me on this, but you're definitely going to hear more from us about Star Wars, but uh, just sort of, I'm going to put a pin in that for now, not give away too much about our plans until things are a little bit further along, but just thought I'd pass that tidbit your way. But yeah, I think that that wraps things up for this episode. Join us back next week when Noah Wiley will not be joining us. And until then, this is Nathan signing off. You have been listening to the 42 cast copyright 2020. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42cast.com. Theme music is Sharper Swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. The 42 Cast is a proud member of the ESO Network. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.